Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is the Simpsons Index, episode 188. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me in SideQuest Studios here as always, except when he's not his BT Callaway. No, hoi hoi. And joining us all the way from beautiful Adelaide, which is sparkling in the reflection of that giant reflective pigeon. The pigeon is, is James O'Connor. Uh, hello. And Captain Nick. Hello. Of course, from Pods. In the key of... <laughs> Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking four-way alley-oop there. Jesus Yeah, Christ. look, we're a little rusty. Man, we were meant to do the Harlem Globetrotters, but that was definitely a Washington Generals-level performance. <laughs> He's spinning the ball on his finger. <laughs> Just take it. He's getting a ladder. <laughs> and if all this didn't give it away, this is the Simpsons Index, where we watch Simpsons, that's right. And we normally watch three different episodes from three different decades, but today we're shaking it up a bit, and Ooh. we're doing three episodes within about a 12-year time period, because we're telling the story of Mona Simpson. Did you guys watch The Simpsons? We watched Disenchanted, or Disenchantment, <laughs> or what's the name of that show again? <laughs> Disappointment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Zing. Yeah, have you guys caught part three yet? I no, I watched out. part two and it made no impact on me whatsoever. So yeah, the uh, entire yeah. season literally ends where it began. It's like, yeah. why? Mm. I've I've literally only watched the first episode that we did last time you guys <laughs> travelled over here. I think that was the first three, wasn't it? Oh, the first three. Mm. You can listen to that episode on our Pods in the Key of Springfield. Like and subscribe. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> People are still listening to our podcast, apparently. I look at the numbers sometimes. They keep going up. I find that so strange because we've not done any for a very long time. We recorded one episode last year that I'm yet to get around to editing and releasing. And now I need to like record a whole disclaimer for it. Yeah. <laughs> we literally recorded it in like April. Yeah, we did. And then oh, I just wow. got distracted. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. so much time had passed. That I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? Because there was probably heaps of us going, yeah. ah, this whole coronavirus thing, that'll blow over. And then it did. <laughs> and then it did. <laughs> yeah. And everything was good forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, it blew but... over. And now it's COVID-19. Exactly. Um, no more coronavirus. Nope. But E-Train, have you mentioned the other twist that we're doing in today's thing? The um... fact that it's chronological? Yes! Oh my god, so fucking weird for <laughs> us especially. I know you guys are used to the chronological reviews, but this is just no. unusual for us. Yeah, we finally <laughs> twisted your arm into doing it our fucking way. <laughs> yeah, you started crying, but we made you do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm you, a big boy. You wept and wept. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was crying for many reasons today, because yes, mm. of course, we're doing the Mother Simpson trilogy, and, you know, much in the same way we did the rise and fall of Seymour and Edna, a few hundred episodes ago God. and yeah of course this one started out with season seven episode eight oh seven eight good time signature uh mother simpson <laughs> first released in november of 1995 it was directed by david silverman written by richard appel in this episode we get to meet mother simpson mona simpson and learn about her uh her history guys what'd you think yeah good app my gosh, it's like a gooey caramel center of feelings <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes a gooey caramel center of feelings Weirdly, that concludes the notes that I took for the episode. <laughs> Way to take his note, BT. Soz. <laughs> no, of course it's a fantastic episode. Uh, it's an episode that I don't actually think I've seen that often, but still feel very strongly for. Right. Yeah. And James? Yeah, it's a good time. I um, One of my notes in here 
just says this episode sure is about me personally and specifically <laughs> there's uh yeah there's a lot of stuff going on in this episode i feel like look to you know to set the tone of this episode i am going to assume that you asked us two to do this specifically because we have both lost parents well not that specifically but i do remember <laughs> previous conversations <laughs> where you were professing a love for this episode and i think um it's a good episode it's yeah. our lives. <laughs> oh man, I wish we were in the room so I could have watched Elliot's panicked face then go, oh fuck, that's right, they've both lost parents, fuck. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I was watching it, it was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think that definitely puts an interesting spin on these episodes when we're in that position, but yeah, very lovely. It's a mastercraft of an episode because we find out all this history and backstory and yet organically reset to zero, yet something has changed. That mm. final scene of Homer just sitting on the back of the car, staring into space is... Fuck. Wow. That's oh, what it feels, bro. I, I have to say, there was a very enjoyable part in our viewing, because mm. we were watching it through Disney+, Plus, and <laughs> when Disney+, Plus started to, you know, shrink the final credits and go to skip to the next episode... James goes, Disney Plus, have some decorum and cancelled it so that we could so that we could keep watching the final credit scene. As well you should. Yeah. Oh, I love inanimate programs being told <laughs> off. <laughs> they should know better. Well, doing my, my research for the episode, apparently they fought hard so that Fox didn't do their usual, like, shrink the screen and do an ad over the credits. I don't know if yeah. you've seen yeah. that trend in American television. Yeah, for but, sure. But yeah, they said, no, let this moment sit. It has to hang. It is art, goddammit. These days they would absolutely lose that battle. They would not be allowed yeah. to do this. Yeah. They would eat banner ads and coming off on America's Got Singing. Yep. <laughs> and because of like the weird guy I am, I like to watch credits for things anyway. Like when a movie mm. ends, I like to sit with the credits for a little while, that kind of thing. So yeah, uh, quietly applauding each name, yeah. The whole move to, you know, streaming platforms trying to minimize the credits straight away has always bothered me. I switch it off mm. whenever I can. Yeah, people, yeah. People worked hard on this. They did. I'm the same with video games. I sit and watch the entire credit sequence. And then you write a personal thank you letter to everyone involved. <laughs> well, naturally, with a gift basket. Yeah. <laughs> your key grip work was amazing. Thank <laughs> you so much for your contribution. As Jekyll said, decorum. <laughs> I like it in video games where you get to still be the character and you get to like run around and hit the credits. Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, like Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Where you flying around a little ship. Yep, that's fun. <laughs> anyway, why didn't the Simpsons do that in this one? What about the Gran Turismo model where you see the credits every time you turn on the game until you uh, turn off that intro movie that goes for seven minutes? That's, uh, that's a bit too much. That's a little too boastful for my taste. Yeah, it feels a bit... Bo I mean, you don't put the credits at the start. Mm. I like the, uh, the Hideo Kojima-like thing of having <laughs> just credits for each individual mission that play during the opening cutscene for the mission. Yeah, every yep. 10 seconds, a Hideo Kojima game by Hideo Kojima. Mm -hmm. I like the hideous Kojima thing, which is that, but it looks really bad. <laughs> His evil twin. His evil oh, twin. Love having you guys on and how far off track we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hideous Kojima, of course, being one of the bosses of Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> but it is great to just sit here and go, geez, I wonder when Elliot's going to get to his questionnaire. <laughs> well, he hasn't cut off one of three of us yet, so I guess yeah. we'll just keep plowing on. He hasn't railroaded us back to the point yet so uh we'll just riff until it does because what a lot of listeners might not know is that what edit actually what elliot actually edits out is all the vicious vicious screaming that he'll do at us to get us back on track <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has gotten too silly what elliot edits out it's a real tongue twister yeah i know i <laughs> fucked it up too 
what idiot what idiot, what idiot <laughs> Elliot's out <laughs> god damn what editing Elliot Elliot Elliot's out yeah that is hard wow oh, <laughs> you sound like Jeremy Irons like reading the riddles in Die Hard 3 <laughs> <laughs> alright my name's not uh, E-Train for no reason anyway let's get this train back on the uh, what's the train road Tra- tracks, tracks. <laughs> Train road. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> BT, we'll start with you for better or worse. What's a moment that stands out? Uh, well, I think train road really stands out. I'm going to write that down. Train road. No, I, as I mentioned, I just love the structure of this one and how organically it all comes together um, and just how it travels. It's such a damn fine piece of work. What I want to point out is a line I kind of didn't realize I loved, which is where Homer just goes, my father always told me my mother died while I was at the movies. Mm. It's like explaining so much mm. and yet so little at the same time. It's just like, oh, she died at the movie. Oh, yeah, it's one of those great to... sort of things where like you reflect on moments on your in your childhood where you were lied to and it never yeah. registered with you. It was a lie until years and years later. We're yeah. like, oh, right. That's obviously not what happened. Yeah, and it's kind of thing where it probably made total sense until he said it out loud, just that it's like, oh yeah, that, that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. He's just always accepted it. But I do like, it didn't dwell on the reason, it didn't expand on it, it's just that line, and I really like it. Yeah, well, from that we get a lot of Homer sort of having all these sort of out loud simple realisations that have just never been explored because, yeah, his mother's just never been addressed in the show. And like, even when he was like, well, she had a very good reason for leaving him, I was just like, which was? I don't know. And then we see him mm. have that moment of self-doubt. Maybe it's because I was horrible. No one loved me. Oh, like, oh fuck. Oh. <laughs> that's at the core of you. God damn, that's, that hurts. Yeah, yeah. And that line read. Ah, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. So how many of us also have parents who mysteriously disappeared when they were 14 and have never tried to contact them? Is that just me? Oh, yep, that's an actual thing, guys, by the way. <laughs> wow. Did not know that. Yep. Yeah, so that line's like, oh, yeah, yep, that's uh, that's very real. That's how you feel sometimes. Uh, well, how about you, James? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? All right, so going in a slightly different direction here, I want to talk about the opening scene with Homer <laughs> faking his own death. A few thoughts on this. Uh, one thing, in this scene, I somehow it never clicked with me before this viewing that this was on a Saturday and that Homer mm-hmm. should have had that day off and had to spend $600 to get his Saturday back. There's oh. something sort of oddly grim about that, I think, just this man needing to fake his death just to get Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, $600 yep. for a fake doll of yourself seems pretty good to me. That it was realistic enough to fool everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems like a good deal. And um, I yeah. just, I just looked it up, and real dolls cost six thousand dollars. So that's what you were looking. at. <laughs> yeah. I just turned over, and Nick is looking at what looks like pornography. It's fine. <laughs> just in the middle of the recording. I was just. I'm like, I'm just going to file that away and not mention it to anyone because because <laughs> I was Nick's think- business is his business. I was just thinking. Well, okay, he paid six hundred bucks for a dummy. Yeah. Obvious, like the first kind of lifelike dummy that popped into my head was a real yeah. doll so i just did that's a quick fair. google but that's not even customized like you would need to customize it to look exactly like exactly you. like mm. you yeah exactly yeah. But he got a bargain and this is yeah. back before 3d printing exactly homer would have had to walk into the the shop that did you know erotic cakes or whatever it was <laughs> and just say could you do this but in like doll form and just gesture up and down his own person maybe maybe it was a cake but it, ha- it had realistic breaking arms and legs that's true that's <laughs> yeah true. That, that that's a hell of a detail the other thing I was thinking here is, uh, remember faking your own death? That feels like a very 90s concept to me now. You can't yeah. really fake your death anymore. It's very difficult. 
Yeah, you'd have to abandon all your social media accounts, all your podcasts. Um, yeah, people are just mm. going to track you down. You can't fake yeah. your death anymore the way you could in the 90s. It was a very 90s idea. To be fair, yeah. though, if someone now abandons all their social media and their podcast, they're dead to me anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, it might be a different concept, but same result, mm. I think. Yeah, true. It's why it's a good thing that I keep getting you guys on the index, just reminding the audience out there that Pods in the Key of Springfield like are still alive. Still alive. Still ticking although, away. Although, beloved side character Coffee Machine has died. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so my Coffee Machine lasted 11 years and it died in April from non-COVID-related reasons. Yeah, that's really why we haven't recorded more episodes. <laughs> yeah. Your silent third partner is gone. Yeah, one exactly. year memorandum. <laughs> Dishwasher well, is still going. PlayStation? And PlayStation is still going. Yep. And oh, good. Good. And I actually, I spoke to Motorbike Mike the other day. Um, <laughs> I almost wanted to do like a quick Vox Pop recording, but I couldn't be bothered explaining, by the way, random neighbour of mine, you are a recurring character in my <laughs> Simpsons podcast. Apologies to any listeners of the Simpsons Index who don't listen to Pods of the Key of Springfield for the last few minutes, which won't make any sense to them. Yeah, Look, to be honest, that was, th- that was pretty much just me catching up with Elliot and BT. To be- yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't know how many times over the past four years we've said pods of the key of springfield like and subscribe but i like to think that our listeners have liked and subscribed whether they wanted to or look not. a handful of them have <laughs> <laughs> the numbers suggest otherwise it's just been an automated response mm-hmm. every time we say it we trigger something in someone to <laughs> yeah, like and subscribe have lobs pod <laughs> Uh, how about you, Nick? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? My favourite thing, and favourite to the extent that I once had a t-shirt with this screen grab on it, is the <laughs> local man loses pants, comma, life headline <laughs> on the newspaper. <laughs> Somewhere on Redbubble, there's someone that's done that design on a, on a shirt, and it is a yeah, very, very good shirt. I also just want to say, as a lawyer who works in deceased estates... The electricity company will not cut off your electricity that quickly, <laughs> even if the sole account holder is dead. Yeah, it's Just, like that night. It's that night. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for a start, the electricity companies are not that organized. But also, yeah, working on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. But also, that's not how it works. So I just thought I'd get that out. You know, get some information out there. And does anyone know about the turnaround on a gravestone? Because that was pretty intricate and they got that one done pretty quick. I got the impression maybe they'd already had that gravestone yeah. ready oh, to they go. they did say that. Yeah, it well, was locked They said it loaded. came with a burial plot. They didn't say when they got that burial. Oh, yeah. I know, they got it. They said they've been saving for it as soon as they got married. So mm. stonemasons work quick, maybe? Yeah, uh, the stone, of course, for Eustace F. J. Well, whatever it was. <laughs> you're reading that upside down, Chief. Oh. And you're talking into your wallet. Fucking excellent joke. Very good gear. Sort of, that's what stands out to me. Like, a lot of these goofy moments in this episode, which is, like, I didn't really notice before, but this is so story-heavy. We get through a lot of story in this episode. Yeah. But it does still take time to take these moments to slow down for, like, a weird Dragnet parody as well. Yeah. And, of course, the famous, oh, no, he went over the falls. Oh, good. He snagged that branch. Oh, no, the branch broke. Oh, good. He can grab hold of those pointy rocks. Oh, no, they broke his arms and legs. Oh, good. Those beavers are going to help him. Oh, no, they're biting him and stealing his pants. Ah, oh, such focus on the pants. Mm-hmm. But did you uh, you guys watch Dragnet ever? No, I've never no. seen Dragnet. The closest yeah. I ever came to watching Dragnet was the Seinfeld episode where they parody Dragnet. So no, yeah. I never oh, watched Dragnet. Oh, uh, the Bookman one? The Bookman. Mm. Mm. Like an ice cream man called Cone. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, so we had one weirdly recently where, yeah, we did Homer the Vigilante and they have a Dragnet mm-hmm. parody where Homer and Skinner and yeah they have actual Harry Morgan from Dragnet oh, one nice. of the guest stars of this episode Ooh. playing Bill Gannon oh that's interesting mm, that's a name you can set your watch to 
No, I'm not entirely sure what Dragnet is, but uh, it sounds like a, a, a rip-roaring time. Yeah, was a pioneer of police procedurals. Ah, the PPP. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, in you know, in 2021, everyone loves the police, and we'll uh, <laughs> no doubt have a fun time revisiting that show. Wait, PPP, what was that extra P for? A pioneer of police propaganda. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yep. Wow, procedurals changed to propaganda so quickly, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so yeah, I like all these little weird moments in this episode, and yeah, of course, Police Chief Wiggum stalling like everyone as well. Yeah. Fucking fantastic shit. Wiggum is a superstar in this episode. Yeah, good Wiggum app. Good Wiggum Yeah, we even get some Wiggum origins. <laughs> the, the classic <laughs> playground line of, listen to me, breathe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I remember Wiggum origins. That was a strange show. Ran for 12 seasons. Uh, well, I mean, from this episode alone, we have a great line from Mr. Burns of Smithers, who was that corpse, which <laughs> gave me an idea for a good game show. <laughs> Guess that corpse. <laughs> <laughs> who was that corpse? corpse? <laughs> the corpse is right. Um, <laughs> question, though. When... Thank you. Yes, you. <laughs> <laughs> corpse or no corpse. Um, when uh, corpse or no corpse, you just open suitcases and parts oh, of a no, body. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't the question I was going to say. The question I was going to say is, when Burns sees Mona in the post office and then gets yeah. the FBI into the office at the nuclear power plant and the FBI mm-hmm. says, yes, don't worry, Mr. Burns, we'll go find this person, aren't they already hunting for her? Isn't that why she's been on the run all this time? Yeah, but I guess uh, renewed vigor in a cold case. Yeah, I suppose mm. so. Renewed vigor in a cold case. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's an angle I hadn't considered. Yeah, you're good at this job, BT. <laughs> I try. Mm. Were we just in Jordan's anal corner? Oh! Jordan's anal corner. <laughs> <laughs> but play count. How many times do you think you've seen this episode? Yeah, I've never seen this show before. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't twenty-five times. It was twenty-seven times. <laughs> Yeah, our computer technology shows that you've seen this episode about 25 times. A perfect joke. A very good joke. One of those jokes that I now feel like I take for granted watching the episode yeah. back is just I, I've i seen it so many times. It's just, mm. it's, it's a perfect joke, though. The first time that would have hit. Yeah, like, I think that was a big thing for me. And a lot of jokes in this one, I wasn't laugh out loud, but I was like, fuck, that's clever. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I've easily seen this 40 times. In my short but colourful life. And even saying before, it's still the uh, an episode you haven't seen as many times as some others, you say. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't quite know how to reconcile those two things, yeah. but both of them feel correct. It's definitely an episode <laughs> that I have skipped over a bit in the last few years because I don't know, like when I'm going into The Simpsons often just to like watch an episode on the couch with my partner mm. because, you know, we can't think of anything else to watch. We're looking for the really fun ones. Yeah. And this one is fun, but it's also got a lot of the stuff going on in it. Yeah. So I get sort of skipped over. Actually, there's a question. Have you guys been watching The Simpsons much at all in the last little while? A little bit. I don't know. Sometimes, uh, yeah, we'll put an episode on if we are sick of watching Seinfeld or Frasier and we want to watch a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tend to just watch garbage on YouTube or just go to sleep. So <laughs> not much Simpsons in lockdown for me. Well, sleep is where you become a Viking. Mm. This is true. So how about the wackiness of this episode? It's, yeah, mostly about the heart, but how mm-hmm. was the wacky moments, the cartoony elements? The FBI stuff is pretty wacky, I think. But also, I don't know, it's like wacky in this sort of like muted way that's interesting. Mm. Like the whole bit about like the guy's uh, son going crazy in Vietnam is sort of like that sort of grim wacky that the show does really well. It's a pain that never ends. 
And also Homer does fake his death in this episode, which is pretty wacky. That is pretty wacky. And in the 90s, it was feasible. We've discussed Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A little bit of wackiness is when they set off the uh, bomb in the, you know, germ lab and then you get Boogie Woogie Influenza just dancing before it dies. Mm. Boogie Woogie Influenza sounds like a Stephen King line. (laughs) (laughs) From his 80s work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Also, Maggie Go-Go Dancing was my other bit of whack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doing totally. a little parody of those sort of 60s shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, in this moment as well, uh, they were tie-dying. I tie-dyed for the first time recently. It's true. Really? Yeah. It, it was a lot of fun and, like, way easier than I thought it would I kind of been. assumed you had already tie-dyed. You've got tie-dye vibes. Yeah, you've got big mm-hmm. tie-dye vibes, E-Train. I think I've <laughs> seen you in a tie-dye shirt maybe up to three times. Oh, <laughs> And I, I've only I've been... met you in person, like, five times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I think at 2015 was the time I found my first tie-dye shirt. And mm. like before that, I was just wearing, you know, black gothy metal shirts. And I decided to introduce a bit of color to my fashion palette. But You didn't introduce a bit of color. You introduced all the colors. All the colors. Yes. <laughs> at the same time. It's a hard decision, you know, when you're going from black shirts. Ooh, which color do I do? All of them. Same way I go to the ice cream store. <laughs> so, yes, instead of that <laughs> yeah, black rainbow, ice cream. Rainbow paddle pops. <laughs> Um, I have some rainbow paddle pops in the freezer later. Oh, fuck. Are we having a... Ra- oh, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, we can. I mean, they're the tie-dye yes. equivalent of paddle pop. Um, they, they represent the anarchic 60s, but they've got all the convenience of being on a stick. And they're caramel flavoured. They are. Who knew the rainbow tasted like caramel? I mm? did. Yeah, well... Leprechauns. Someone should... Fuck. <laughs> fuck. Someone should tell Skittles. Um, also, how did your tie-dye turn out, and will you continue to tie-dye into the future? Half of them turned out like dog shit. Right. But Too many browns. <laughs> yes, next time I'll order less uh, dog shit brown. Mm, need less dog. <laughs> uh, but yes, I highly recommend it as a, a sunny day activity. It's, yep. it's a lot of fun. And you absolutely need to get a tie so you can have a tie-dye-dye tie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like mm, that. Yes. That is very good. Yeah. And if it's like plastic injection molded, it might be a die-cut tie-dye tie. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Did anyone else have some wacky moments from this episode? Um, When Homer goes to the cemetery for the first time and discovers that it's not his mum's grave, is he kicking the grave of Walt Whitman, the guy that made Whitman's selection chocolates? (laughs) (laughs) Famous poet and chocolatier Walt Whitman, yes. Leaves of grass, my ass. poet. Right. Okay, sorry. I genuinely didn't know who Walt Whitman was. See, Nick, if you had seen Breaking Bad. (laughs) The only reason I know (laughs) Leaves of Grass. Okay. Because Hank is reading it on the toilet. Mm-hmm. So hang on, I thought Breaking Bad was a show about meth. You're telling me it's a show about chocolates? No, Breaking Bad is the sequel to Better Call Saul. Right. <laughs> is that the show about chocolates? Uh, there's some chocolate in it. Where did the chocolate come into it? <laughs> that was ten minutes ago, Nick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Walt and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so when, when Elliot said that his tie-dye t-shirt looked like dog shit, he meant it looked like chocolate. <laughs> What? I don't know. Yeah, nothing gets chocolate out. <laughs> Not actually too much wackiness to go over in, in this one entirely. So let's move on to the heart of this episode. Ah. Oh, my. Ah. <laughs> what? I'm not going to lie, that sound didn't make sense, but I needed to express something, and I did it loudly. <laughs> something that James and I have talked about before, possibly even in our appearances on Index, is when you sit down and watch The Simpsons with a pen and a notebook in hand, you end up Mm -hmm. getting a much deeper understanding of it, possibly because you're looking for things to talk about on a podcast to fill time. (laughs) But one of the things I thought this time is, does this give us a deeper insight into why Homer has his 
golden retriever arrested development nature mm-hmm. because as soon as Mona comes back, he immediately reverts to the age that he that, that she left and starts, you know, doing the handstands, walking along out the front of the house and constantly yep. trying to get his mum's attention. And previously, I don't think I've ever paid any attention to that. But this time around, I was like, wow, that's really sad that as soon as the mum came back, mm. Homer finally had a license to return to, mm. you know, however old he was. And it goes a lot to explain Golden Retriever Arrested Development Homer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's spot on. Yeah, we were doing an episode recently where uh, Homer, every now and then he displays this need to be liked by everybody. And if he has that abandonment issue of maybe I was a terrible son and no mother would love me, the idea that he would revert to a sense of I need everyone to like me, otherwise they're going to leave, is very illustrative to his character. Yeah. yeah. How intentional that is to the overarching idea of the Simpsons, I don't know, but it lands absolutely here. I almost Mm. wish, I kind of wish the episode had spent even more time on that or gone into it even deeper because like to mm. one of my sort of nitpicks if i'm going to be nitpicking i am because this is a podcast and that's what you do the whole thing with mona and mr burns having a conflict is not as compelling as homer getting his mother back and i feel like the episode maybe spends a little too much time on uh, mr burns's hunt for mona no definitely because they're using these moments, I guess, to try and paint Mona as, like, justified or in between a rock and a hard place with her decision to leave or whatever. Mm. But maybe the episode shouldn't have been afraid to paint her as a shitty person. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, fair. It's, it's, it's a take. Interesting angle on the heart. I actually got a bit affected by the 60s news report where Kent Brockman called himself Kenny Brocklestein because I was thinking the other day there's... There was a, a newsreader here called George Denikian, and in the 70s, when he started being a newsreader, he was going by George Donikin because he was told by someone that the extra I to make it Denikian was too ethnic, too Greek, people wouldn't get behind it, so he ditched it and was going by Donikin. And then it wasn't until much later that he went reverted back to his original name. And so mm. seeing Kent Brockman calling himself Ken Brockelstein made me go, huh, that's interesting. What is Ken yeah. hiding? Interesting bit of heart. Because, you know, fucking Australia needs to get so much better at just being able to try to pronounce people's names. And this is mm. an issue that's really at the front of my mind at the moment because currently the Indian cricket team has been here since about November and they've been playing against the Australian team. The number of people who will, for a joke, butcher one of the Indian players' names. Like, they're not that difficult. And even if they are, you've still got to give a real fucking go at pronouncing it seriously. Ah, That is one of my most hated things. Like, M. Night Shyamalan. Not that hard. Three syllables. Yeah. Shyamalan. Yeah. Yeah. Chiteshwa Pajara. Not that hard. And so I've just got names on the brain, to be honest. No, and it's so good when those people sort of yeah, revert their names as well. And like like The Rock, for instance, like he's like, no, fuck you, pronounce my hard-to-pronounce name. Dwayne? And yeah, I remember reading this comment from somebody, I think it was uh, Uzu Aduba, she was uh, talking about her name being difficult to pronounce and her mum sort of saying to her, if white people can learn to pronounce Dovstoyevsky, they'll learn how to pronounce <laughs> your name. Yeah, it's true. Actually, just while we're on names, they chose the name Mona for Homer's mother, after Richard Appel's wife, 
whose name is actually Mona Simpson. Oh, oh wow. That Simpson was uh, her name gotten from her second marriage. And yeah, she's a writer and uh, yeah, prominent writer in America. Okay. Wow. Mona Simpson. I always assumed that it was just Mona Lisa because it's a mysterious, unknowable Mona Simpson. E- entity. Mm. You said Mona Lisa. Yeah, no, but I assume that Mona, ah, I assume okay. that Mona Lisa was named Mona because of, oh, sorry, okay, Mona okay. Simpson. She's the most famous Mona. Yeah. Well, yeah, but from very early on, Simpson's backstory, yeah, Lisa's middle name was Mona. Like, yeah. so I thought that was sort of like a retroactive thing. Like, anyway, wow. but no, it was for Richard Appel's wife. Man, mm-hmm. the plot thickens here. It certainly does. It goes all the way to the top. Yep. And then all the way back down to the bottom, which is us on this podcast. And you know, <laughs> and, and, and you know what you pass through in the middle? A sweet, smooth caramel center. Ooh. Yes. Hey. And you also pass through the heart. And you know that heart, I feel like, comes off in very subtle ways throughout this one. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of really noticed on this watch, uh, like when Homer's like, this is where I keep my shirts when I'm not wearing them. Mona's like, oh, yes, in the drawer. <laughs> it's just that kind of moment of they, they have like a kinship. Basically, this is something from his youth that they have both remembered. And I like that it's unspoken. It's weird, mm, but yeah. it works for me. And it's just nice um, that she's proud of him for like having become an adult. <laughs> I gotta say, like, that late 30s, very overweight man doing a handstand and walking is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, it's extremely impressive. I couldn't do that. A little bit no. of heart with uh, her and Lisa as well, as well, with you didn't dumb it down, you said rapport said and rapport. hating John Knowles, whoever that is. Yeah, Jekyll, you're talking about so much weight being in the Mona Burns part of the story. Fuck, I really want more Mona Lisa. Like, as in Mona <laughs> and Lisa. You want to know what's behind that smile? <laughs> it is, yeah, you don't really get a conclusion to that. I mean, maybe in the next two episodes, I doubt it because I have seen them and I remember not liking them. But uh, it would be nice to have, like, a little payoff on that plot line because that connection... Like, there's an alternate rewrite of this episode where that's, like, the main thing the episode is about. Well, I'm quite interested in Mona and the kids because, like, her and Bart have a bit of, you know, felonious uh, dealings and her and Lisa have this Colbert rapport going on. And, yeah, I want to see more of that. I guess it is complicated because if she has been gone for that long, there needs to be a pretty serious explanation. And Mm. then why she goes again... I don't know. It's complicated, but I just feel like... There must have been a way where they could have had a bit more time spent on the elements of the episode they really loved. Yeah. But ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? How's the integrity? Hi. Yeah, very much. You know, it feels like one of those episodes that sort of used to come along and just sort of stand out as, you know, something that was pushing a little bit further, maybe than a lot of them, and that it wasn't just trying for, you know, to be the funniest episode it could be. That was like, you know, this is a great episode, and it's... uh. It's the kind of the one that sticks in your mind. I don't think I'm saying anything interesting here, but, you know, I'm saying words, and this is a podcast, and people <laughs> listen to them. So, yeah, it's mm, good. Mm, mm. And I'm uh, responding those words and actively listening. Mm, mm. <laughs> it feel like Simpson. <laughs> uh, thank you, Nickbot5000. <laughs> I wish we had the Nickbot5000. This is a 4000 model. Hey, fuck you. Oh, oh, yikes. <laughs> See, all that sass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new model has that coffee machine built in. So. <laughs> but yeah, what do you reckon, Nick? Does this feel like the show that you know and love and did a podcast about? Yeah, absolutely it does. I think we've already said that it's a very heart-laden episode, but it does feel like Simpson. Everyone is acting in accordance with character, and because Mona is, seems to be a kind of conglomeration of every attribute of every Simpson. Um, not mm. only are they acting like themselves, but you can see where they get that from. Well, it's one of these things where I love this episode as being 
uh, Simpsons episode where there's a new element coming in and you're seeing how these characters that we do know and love, how they're reacting to it. And it feels so in character. Like, And again, Marge having a little panic attack. That, oh my God, I've suddenly got a mother-in-law. No more living vicariously through my girlfriends. Yeah, yeah I wasn't entirely sure what was going on with that line, whether the joke was that having a mother-in-law is a thing that people don't like, or if Marge is just weird about it, or... Suddenly Homer brought his yeah. mother. He went out to go clarify that he's not dead, and he came back with his long-lost mother. <laughs> no, I took it as um, the mother-in-law being such a staple of sitcoms, and at this point in The Simpsons history, they are still parroting the sitcom tropes. The oh, idea yeah, that true. Marge has always, you know, kind of just never had one, and either gotten off easy or almost lamented the fact that she doesn't have this aspect of home living yeah uh, and now it's here and she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god in uh, both joy and terror <laughs> mm. is yeah. how i take it elliot and yeah she's also meeting it with a bit of skepticism as well and i think mm. there's even a suggestion that she's not even homer's mum at some point but yeah. yeah there is a lot of story in this one uh, yeah they really pack uh, it in but yes no would you watch this one again absolutely i think james said it right in the sense that i don't necessarily want to seek it out because i don't want to feel that much when i'm just hanging out and want to watch the simpsons but mm. uh yeah it's absolutely worth watching again how about you guys yes yeah. i would watch it again for sure yeah I, I definitely will watch it again at some point it's just not one that you know if i'm just watching one episode it's probably never going to be this one but if i'm like going back through the season i'm certainly not going to skip it because it is extremely good it's just maybe not the you know like happy fun time late at night watch before bed that a lot of these episodes are for me yeah you need time to stare at the stars after this one finishes <laughs> for fucking real playlist if you were to put this episode as part of a playlist uh, what would you put it in cassettes that have the wrong song on them playlist <laughs> <laughs> when's the other time that happens uh the chase that's got sunshine lollipops, <laughs> lollipops <laughs> yep. all right yep very good site precedent nice good lawyer Thank you. Yep, this would be within the <laughs> Why is Homer Still Working for Mr. Burns playlist? Yep. <laughs> this is one of those ones where, like, you know, you sort of have to accept the elasticity of the Simpsons universe to enjoy The Simpsons. But then there are still moments where I find myself asking questions like this and, like, I can't quite find a satisfying answer to why Homer would still be comfortable working for a man that is ruining his life so consistently and thoroughly. Yeah, from the in and outside of the workplace, yeah. Almost makes me wonder if the episode would have been better if the like the villain wasn't Mr. Burns, if it was somebody mm. else. Hans Molman. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Colossus. Dr. Colossus. <laughs> Always Colossus. Uh, I think also uh, Hans Molman not being really dead. Is, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't want to call the fuss, but now that you mention it. Yep. Oh, comedic slapstick of spoiling the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, put that with the Abe Simpson yeah. Yeah. flying hellfish. How long was that? Yeah, I love the timing of the pelican and <laughs> dropping the fish. Yeah. Just it... the sound of that fish flopping about is amazing. <laughs> it would have been enough to have the pelican land, but yeah, the fish is a lovely little button on that. Do you have a playlist of like guest appearances by actors who would go on to lose the Oscar they seem to show in for to uh, Olivia Coleman? <laughs> surprisingly not we should create one though yeah i'm writing all this down uh, once again olivia <laughs> to be clear olivia coleman the right choice that year not that i've seen the glenn Close performance but olivia coleman oh, forget about it ah uh, she's she's amazing what movie uh that was the favorite some said it was the favorite to win the award not me however i loved crusty <laughs> i said um, uh, does disney plus allow you to make a public playlist because elliot you could actually make all of these playlists <gasps> i don't think it yeah does. i know 
Mm. But yeah, they've already got all those Simpsons playlists preloaded, and there's even one pretty morbid. They have like a Simpsons predictions playlist, mm. and the Simpsons versus New York or whatever it's called is on there. And it's like, <laughs> why? That episode doesn't <laughs> predict 9 11, which I think yeah. is what they're implying. Uh, according to the conspiracy theorists, it does, because there's a shot of the New York uh, yeah, brochure that says 9 yeah. 11, that has yeah. 9 and then the Twin Towers. Yeah, $9 and then 11. But that's, the- that, they shouldn't put that on a playlist. List. That's irresponsible. That's <laughs> not how you so. playlist. All right. What would you change? BT, we'll start with you. Oh, nothing. I'm pretty good with this one. More, right. more boogie woogie influenza. <laughs> All right. How about you, Nick? What would you like to change? Yeah, I don't actually think there's anything I would change apart from maybe clarifying that Walt Whitman is a poet and not a chocolatier. <laughs> <laughs> they just turned down the barrel of the camera. Just to be clear, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, James? What would you like to change? I feel like I already listed a few things. This is one of those weird cases mm. where, like, this is a functionally like perfect episode of television, but there are still things mm. I would like to see changed. Apart from the things that I've listed, here's another little little nitpicky gripe thing: the whole thing with Mona sending the care packages, and then mm. they never get delivered for and some then, reason. Yeah, yeah for, I mean, they give like a pretty lame explanation. And then they go home, and you never, like, there should be a scene where they're, like, going through these care packages, and they're, like, they do go through the care packages, but it's not, like, resonant in the way it should be. It should be very focused on, like, the Homer realizing, like, the years that he missed with his mom and, like, maybe getting mm. angry about it or sad. Or, and so, there should be, like, more to that, I think. Both in why he wasn't getting the care packages and the sequence of actually going through them. There could be more there. Yeah, I mean, we get a little glimpse of it in the 138th episode, Spectacular. Yeah. But even then, that scene was a bit more jokey. Mm. This is um, all coming back to my major thing of, like, the Mr. Burns plot taking up a little too much real estate in the episode, basically. Yeah, I was sort of wondering in this one, do you guys reckon the like the intro sequence may have taken up a bit too much time as well? What local hero shuns spotlight and pitches in? What an angle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really like all of that stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially a lot of the Homer dying stuff and when yeah, everyone arrives to give their condolences mm. to Mud. He's right here. One thing I yes, really Mark, like I about that is Flanders sort of saying, you know, he's passed on into death. Like he never says that Homer is in heaven, which I think is a nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, I never thought about it that way. Wow. Brutal, man. Jeez. <laughs> Ah, uh, shit. Uh, what would I change? Um, Elliot, what yeah. would you change? Elliot, oh, tell us. What would you change? Stop Elliot? holding out on us, Elliot. Go on, what would you change? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I want more of Mona interacting with the family. Like, the little glimpses we got were so good. It just, it makes me want more of that gooey caramel. Mm-hmm. Feels like we got too much uh, chocolate outer. Mm. Less koala, more no, caramel. Nutty, chewy, Whoa. chewy chocolatey. <laughs> Put it away, boy. <laughs> something, something, Fig Newton. Yeah. Two final notes and then I'm done. Are we approaching final notes? And now it's time, and now it's time for our final notes. Everyone's final final notes. Final notes. In that scene, which is why I thought I'd jump in, in that scene when Mona's doing the flashback and she says Abe Mm. was stuck in his button-down, plastic, fantastic Madison Avenue scene, does she mean Mm. Madison Avenue, the 90s pop duo (laughs) from Australia? I imagine she definitely I imagine she meant that too. Seems like a very odd thing for an American man in the 60s to be into. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's why you see the unexplained cup of water right in front of him. Exactly. He's so thirsty, (laughs) but cannot take a sip due to the singing of the song. 
Also, <laughs> the way that Simpsons has ruined my brain, I cannot hear someone say rhetorical without saying, do I know what rhetorical means? Just an yeah. all-time Hall of Fame lie. It's true. You cannot mm-hmm. stop doing that. I can't. And I won't. And he didn't. The Nickbot yeah. 5000, however, does. <laughs> and that concludes my notes. How about you, James? Any other notes? Yeah, I've got a few here. Marge calls her sisters ghouls, which I enjoy. The mm. word ghouls, always fun. I like to hear yeah. it. I like to say it. Ghouls. And yeah, the reboot of Ghost and Ghouls is coming out soon, so you'll have some more fun with that. I love mm. them ghouls. It's a bit of a stretch that Homer has never gone to the cemetery to actually look at the grave. He says he's not a cemetery person. I mm. guess there was no funeral. I buy it, though. It's fine. It's basically fine. It's just a little note that I have here. Just so I could think about and decide whether I could reconcile myself with it. Yeah. I think all this stuff sort of ties into Abe Simpson's character a little bit, though. Like, you could imagine that Abe back in the day just gave really short, sharp explanations. Yeah. and mm. Your mother died while you were at the movies. Yeah. And and yeah. for some reason, there will be no funeral. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. was like seven, maybe, so... Yeah. That's it. It's until he said it out loud that it's like, oh, yeah, this doesn't make a lick of sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got two last notes here. Using a tombstone as a coffee table is great. Mm-hmm. And then my more substantial note, <laughs> the scene where Grandpa sees Mona and then like rails against her and then ends by saying, can we have sex, please? And then, you know, oh, well, I tried. And then he goes and sits down. When mm-hmm. they aired this in syndication on like Channel 10 back in the day, they cut that bit from the end where Grandpa asked if they could have sex. So it was a very weird scene as it was shown on TV here, mm. where just Grandpa was just angry at Mona and mean to her, and then just cut yeah. to the next scene without a joke. Oh, interesting, because I always remember that scene, and, like, especially going back and watching some of these episodes that, yeah, watched the cut versions on yeah. VHS tape a million times, like, yeah. they still play as new scenes. Yeah, this one always stuck as uh, always being there to me. Yeah, That's I feel like at a certain point, maybe it was, like, because it was a joke about sex, because I feel like they were pretty... They did that quite often on the, like, 6.30 screening. They would cut these sorts of jokes. Like, yeah. I know ah. the, like, Grandpa Simpson episode, they they cut the joke at the end where, like, he's hugging Bart and the guy says, hey, fun boys, yeah. get a room. I don't know. There's something about they don't like the idea of Grandpa having sex with his wife, <laughs> with so his grandson, with anyone. Dad having sex. <laughs> I had sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. Inadequacy must have just been a five-minute episode. You know, if we ever go back and do another Pods in the Key of Springfield, that's the episode oh, we're up shit. to. Oh, shit. Oh, oh wow. Good episode, too, because we recorded... Yeah. The last one we recorded that we never go around to releasing, I'm assuming a cat has just walked in the room. A cat has just walked in the room. Yeah, Coco is here. Coco. Hey, Coco. Coco. Oh, nice. Named after the Disney Pixar movie? No, uh, Coco was born Named well before the them. Sorry, I'm patting a cat now and I'm getting distracted. By a cat, no. I mean my own cat. But No, this is good pod content. People love cats. How about you, BT? Any other notes? Oh my, yes. Let me just uh, run through them as quickly as possible to save time. Speed round. Come on, boy. We earn this Saturday and then Bart's just hammering the ground and I'm like 61, 62 <laughs> after that accident mislead with the kites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh, that's a cat. <laughs> we oh, just got the photo of the cat. cat. <laughs> <laughs> Where's hey, she Coco. Going? Coco. Coco, come back. Uh, after they play, you know, Sunshine of Your Love and All Along the Watchtower, Marge has a line of, so what did you do with your newfound sense of irresponsibility? Hmm. Yeah, I forgot to mention, this episode has a banging soundtrack. Except for Mona and Lisa's version of Blowing in the Wind. That fucking blows. Yeah, it's no no good. It's not there for you, Elliot. Um, (laughs) I do like the little mini heart moment of Homer saying he thought he dreamed that kiss. That's Oh, man. Oh, man, that's feels. Is that the correct use of the word? Like, isn't it dreamt? 
Shut up. <laughs> he says dreamed. I think dreamed. both are acceptable. I think it's one of those sort of things. I've got a theory on that, but it's, I'm not confident enough in it to go into it head first. I've always understood that dreamed is the past tense of the verb dream and dreamt is the adjectival form. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, because otherwise it'd be I dreamt a dreamt of times gone by. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I dreamt and that a just dream. Sounds weird. Mm. <laughs> uh, when Mona first sees Asia's ho Abe. You've aged terribly. Yeah. And it's just such a gravitas in that moment. It's, <laughs> it's funny to acknowledge that Abe looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. The first thing you say to your uh, estranged husband after 25 years is, God, you look fucking awful. Yeah. But also, he was no fucking oil painting in the 60s no. either. It's funny yeah, because Mona looks pretty good as well. <laughs> yeah. It's also true. Yeah, apparently the animators had a really hard time balancing the design of Mona to make her mm. look enough like Homer Simpson, but enough to look like, you know, an attractive person. It's at really the same funny time. when she sees him and she comments on how handsome he is because Homer yeah. is really, like, by no definition handsome. That's sort of just part of the character. Like, that's a mother's eyes. Friend. Not a dig again. I don't know. He's not a real person, obviously, but he's obviously, like, designed to be kind of abstract and strange. <laughs> Uh, Abe's line of, okay, I admit it, I am the Lim- Limburg baby, I miss my fly fly data, and the follow-up of uh, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Mm. Yeah, another Simpsons broke my brain, just any time someone asked me if I'm this or that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, in that case, what was it? Trying to stall us or just senile. Yep. I, I kind of forgot that that's how it was led up to, because you just remember that delivery of, uh, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, my final bit is that last bit of mini heart where, you know, Homer says, oh, I'm glad I'm awake for you, goodbye. And he's like, you'll always be a part of me, Homer. And then donks her head and gives the doll. And it's like, oh. The doll, which was not delivered by Glenn Close. Apparently, they weren't happy with any of her takes that she gave that word. So that doll was performed by Pamela Hayden. That makes sense. It doesn't really sound like her. It's Mm. a lot more guttural than, yeah, yeah, the rest of her performance. But that's what makes it funny. Does Pamela Hayden do Lunch Lady Doris? No, she doesn't. No, that's Doris. Oh, uh, it was yeah. Doris Growl. That that was great. Four people, even though there are only three others in there. Four people going, no, actually, that oh, that was just a pun. Fuck you. Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> Fuck you, Nickbot four thousand. Beep boop. No, the Nickbot four thousand cannot be fucked. Again, that feature is only available in the five thousand. Oh well, I tried. What's the supper? It's such an upgrade. <laughs> Time to rank this thing on the Simpsons Index. We rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. Maybe if the episode was just meh, you give a participant, but for the positive rankings, you got okay bronze, good silver, excellent gold, but for the best, of the very best, the episodes which the Simpsons could not exist without, you give cubic zirconia. I'm going to go first. Let me show you how it's done. I got a cubic this one. It's such an important episode for the Simpsons overall story, and even though there's not much story joining the series as a whole this is one of them that just does such an important job and yeah i kind of agree that it's not one that i want to repeat over and over and over again but oh fucking damn it just gets me every time and i love it uh jichael you're going next all right i've thought about this a lot i feel like because the simpsons are so ingrained within me at this point it's been such a big part of my life i've watched so many of the episodes Mm -hmm. now that i'm whatever age i am now watching these episodes back the ones that really hit hard on the review tend to be the ones that I have sort of forgotten some elements of or, you know, forgotten how good they are, like lost track of like yeah. how many brilliant jokes they are. Like to me, the quintessential one that I always use as my reference is like rewatching Itchy and Scratchy Land for this podcast and realizing it's mm. like top five funniest of all time, maybe. Rewatching Mother Simpson, it doesn't necessarily hit me as hard now as it has in the past, just because, you know, this is one of those like top tier ones 
that I go into with such incredible expectations. But talking about mm. it back now and just thinking about it all, I just have to go cubic on this one. It's just, it's one of those hey. episodes that sort of like really defines why The Simpsons is worth talking about at all. It's just the extremely delicate balancing act it is going through. And the fact that I only really notice these issues that I've brought up when I am sitting there with like a pen and paper in hand, like trying actively to scrutinize the show and nitpick. Yeah, it's an extremely good episode of television. It's one of the great episodes of The Simpsons. I'm giving a cubic zirconia. BT. Uh, yeah, look, I'm going to go cubic as well. I think this is the gooey heart center that I mentioned earlier. And even then, it does have... Well, I didn't get any big laugh-out-loud moments. The jokes I had there were, like, witty and clever. And I'm like, these are such a well-written episode and so well-constructed to take you on so much story and such a journey and still reset to zero in a way that feels organic. And yet, at the same time, it feels like there is some growth for those characters. So, yeah, cubic zirconia. And Nick, finish us off. You know, I came in very confident that I was going to say gold on the basis that your ranking system defines cubic as essential, and I didn't mm-hmm. consider this essential until hearing the rest of you talk about it, because what I actually think, and I think James summed this up most succinctly, it might not be essential to a Simpsons fan, but it is essential to explain why The Simpsons can walk the balancing act that it does Mm. and blend heart and humour, which is basically the key to why we're watching the show in the place. So, Cubic Zirconia. Well, I think that's your first cubic for the show, Nick. What? Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I don't like content. But, <laughs> but that also means that we have... A unanimous cubic zirconia. We are giving this episode the Simpsons Index Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. <laughs> what? Yes! James, I'm sorry to your neighbours for saying that so loud. <laughs> I've never heard such a loud profanity. <laughs> Look, this is a shed wall. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right, this will be the fucking 13th unanimous cubic zirconia from season seven. And usually I take a bit of time to explain the episodes, but I just got to speed round the titles. There's too many. Like knowing that you have picked 12 other episodes in this season makes me very glad that I went cubic because, uh, you know, it's surely in the upper tier of this season. As good as oh, this season is. Definitely. And yeah, we've only got, what, four or episodes left to review. And yeah. So in amongst the other unanimous cubics are Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, Radioactive Man, Bart Sells His Soul, Lisa the Vegetarian, Treehouse of Horror 6, Marge Be Not Proud, Scenes from the Class Struggle in Springfield, Bart the Fink, Home of the Smithers, The Day the Violence Died, 20 Shoe Shorts Films, and The Curse of the Flying Hellfish. Yeah, can't really mm. argue with any of those. Those are fucking good episodes. Especially Hellfish. I have very fond memories of that one. Ah, oh, Season 7. Man, what a fucking good What time. is the best episode of season seven? Is it Marge Be Not Proud? It might be. Yeah, yeah. We did that with Ultra 64, and yeah, both of them were saying that, yeah, this is just easily one of their favorite episodes of The Simpsons and of television. The best so, Christmas yeah. episode, for sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> In amongst all their competition of the season one pilot or... White Christmas Blues. Didn't we, or, do, the, yeah. we did the Funzo episode with you guys, didn't we? Oh, that's right. I, I feel uh, like I, I gave that, that a one... gold, didn't I? Maybe. Maybe I gave it a silver. Yeah. I don't know. I like yeah, that surprising... episode a lot. Yeah, I don't think we were expecting it, but that was a surprisingly funzo time. Mm. 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 Until the fun. 
<laughs> All right, let's move on with the next episode in the Mona Simpson trilogy where we're going to season 15. I hope it's as good as seven. My mother, the carjacker. BT, do you know anything? Oh, yeah, I'm sure this just keeps going better and better. Yeah, uh, this is the one where they find out Mona Simpson can just lift cars with her bare hands. I, and it's, yeah. it's amazing. And this goes on like tour around the country on and a freak show. And she's jacked. Yeah, jacked. I have she's seen um, both of these, the ones we're mm-hmm. about to watch. I remember thinking this next one's not very good. And then the third one's actively terrible. So we'll see how that goes. A season 19 episode, get out of here. Yeah, come on. I'm sure they treat it all with respect and dignity. <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Etc. And we are back and we're continuing on our journey of the Mona Simpson episodes and the second one is Season 15, Episode 2, My Mother the Carjacker. First released in November of Ought 3, it was directed by Nancy Cruz, written by Michael Price. In this episode, Mona Simpson comes back, but then she gets thrown back in jail, but then she dies. Or does she? Guys, what did we think? Uh, uh, Not as good as the one we watched (laughs) a few minutes ago. In controversial opinion, uh, this is not the best episode about Mona Mm. Simpson. Maybe not the worst. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, man, on its own merits, it's it's not bad, but it's really a slap in the face to the last episode. (laughs) Like, damn. Yeah. How carefully balanced that one was and how well-paced and plotted and so much story packed in. And this one's just, ah, I guess we bring back Mona Simpson again. <laughs> Something I find about this period of The Simpsons uh, in general, like seasons, I don't know, 13 through to like 18 or so, they're more actively hateful than a lot of what comes after. Like the show mm. never bounces back to a point it's good, but I feel like there are later episodes that I bristle against less than I bristle against something like this. No, definitely. This is, I don't know, cynical and mean-spirited. The politics of this episode are troubling. Mm. Yeah, and if you take it as part of a a trilogy, effectively, you're bringing back a beloved character from a very critically acclaimed episode to do nothing. (laughs) Like, there's not anything here except a bad retread of the last episode we watched. It's baffling. This episode also, we'll dig into all of this, of course, but this episode has such a strange position on, like, the criminal justice system Mm -hmm. and Mm. just, like, the dignity and value and worth of people who are prisoners. Yeah, it's... And criminals. It's it's, it's very odd. Yeah, let's dig into it. Uh, BT, we'll start with you. For better or worse, what stands out to you from this thing? Uh, I'm going to go with a positive, and actually I have two quick points, because uh, try and stop me. Uh, one is Jupiter. that Mona Simpson's middle initial is also J, mm. so I thought that was interesting. Oh. And I, I do really, really love the joke of when the FBI is like checking through Homer's mail, and it's like, most people write letters to movie stars. This guy writes letters to movies. Dear Die Hard, you rock. Do you know Mad Max? Yeah, I but, do love that joke. Yeah. I forget it's from this episode. Yeah, Even yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoy that joke. I enjoy wow. the premise of that joke. The idea that he's writing two movies I like. I don't think the letter itself is funny, but I like the premise that he's writing a letter to Die Hard. That just happens every time I see a poster. I'm like, dear Die Hard, you rock. Yeah. No, it's funny, yeah, these moments that get etched into your brain as, yeah, little good jokes and yeah you forget the context around them like mm-hmm. yeah i love the joke of mr burns pictured here on a 19th century wood carving <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah chasing terrorizing children, children. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, thanks for starting us out on a positive note. I try. <laughs> uh, how about you, Nick? What stands out to you from this episode, for better or worse? Two quick things. One of them is good. When Homer and Marge have the newspapers all over the bedroom, because he's trying to initially find the links and stuff like that, it reminded me of the album art for Taylor Swift's Reputation album, so I liked that. Fuck. Um, <laughs> something that stood out to me for worse is the whole start thing. What is going on with everyone giving yeah. a shit about the shirt? Like, when we find out that it's... So Homer doesn't pay attention to the newspapers. He's paying attention to the newspapers just so he can win the shirts Mm. because Marge has one. In the newspaper, Mona has buried a message. Are Mona and Marge in cahoots? Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense for why the newspaper is where Mona would bury a secret message to Homer. Surely it would be through the TV somehow. Absolutely. So it is so baffling that everyone's excited about this shirt. And then Mm -hmm. for that to be the payoff when it doesn't make sense either, I just, James and I spent most of the first two thirds of the episode sitting on the couch going, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah, that is fair. The whole newspaper thing would have only made sense if it was later revealed that she'd been doing this for some time. Hmm. And I mean, that feels like a fairly easy fix. Like I've been leaving messages in the paper for like a year and a half and Homer just isn't reading the newspaper. You know, it'd be like uh, the bit in I Am Legend where he like does the radio broadcast and he goes and sits on the pier every day, even though nobody comes. And then somebody comes yeah. eventually. And if you yeah cut out this whole thing with Marge, yeah, you'd would have had time to explore that a bit. Mm. Yeah, you don't need the weird scene where Doctor Hebert like demands that she give him her shirt. So yeah, for a fucking Prozac weird. tote. Yeah, super weird. And moving up the heart transplant. Li- I thought the obvious joke was that, uh, yeah, looking at your husband, but no, it's like, your heart could always be better. It's, what the fuck is this scene? Yeah. yeah. I, I like the button. I did like, your heart could always be better. But yeah. um, the rest of it was just nonsense. It's one of those points where I'm so exhausted by the scene. I'm just like, can we move on already? <laughs> we were a minute and a half into the episode. I was so exhausted. <laughs> Uh, how about you, James? What stands out to you from this episode, for better or worse? A lot of stuff in this episode bums me out, but the thing that really gets under my skin the most is uh, this episode completely forgetting that Chief Wickham has previous history with these characters. Yeah. yeah. That's usually not the kind of thing that I would get that worked up about, but his whole plotline in the first one was pretty fun and satisfying, and to just abandon it so completely in this one, yeah. when they did establish that there was like a... Not like direct relationship, but he had this like respect for Mona and her crusade. And to take that away is kind of, it leads to less interesting storytelling. If they had worked that in, it would have been a much more interesting plot line, but they didn't do it. And it's boring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with Chief Wiggum trying to divert the lore away from her, there could have been some, yeah, really interesting stuff there. And this all ties into the episode's extraordinarily weird attitude towards law and order in general. Ding, ding. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Just clicked. Which, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll <laughs> dig into a lot because, uh, you know, it's the main thing to talk about with this episode, I think, on some level. But, yeah, mm. the whole Chief Wiggum thing is a bummer. Yeah, because he never, like, acknowledges that at all. Like, he was the reason Mona got away in the first place. And, yeah, I didn't even think about it, but the complete disregard for that is, mm. again, just a baffling part of this episode. Why bring Mother Simpson back if you're not going to do jack shit with it? Yeah, and... Uh, like, it, Oh, except that now Mahoma thinks she's dead. Yeah. And maybe it could have even been as simple as, well, I gave you a chance last time. Why are you mm. back here now? You're mm. not getting a second chance. You know, something along yeah. those yeah. lines. 
Yeah, um, but, but to completely disregard it is baffling. Yeah, their only communication in this episode is that stupid fucking hippie English dictionary joke. And mm. man, it just drags and does not land. Nope. You also get just zero interaction between Mona and Lisa, which is one of the core relationships established in that first episode. And I don't know that they share a word with each other, do they, in this one? Yeah. Uh, like we were saying in the last one, there were great little moments of Mother Simpson interacting with all the, the rest of the family. In this, I don't think there's anything. At least nothing that stands out in my mind now we're talking about it. It feels like yeah. it, like in this season, like the show has a hard time caring about more than one character at a time. Mm. I don't even think it cares about that character mm. even when it is yeah. focused. Like, and yeah, that's sort of what stands out to me is they're trying to... They do this thing, especially with Teen Simpsons, of really on-the-nose music choices. And, mm. you know, when we were reviewing the last one, I was like, oh, yeah, it just occurs to me. This episode has a banger of a soundtrack. This one, it felt like the songs are good and whatever, but the song choices are really on-the-nose and just for these sort of silly montage scenes. Yeah, Along the Watchtower again comes out. Mm -hmm. But it's just a montage of things that happened in the 60s. But they're yeah. really a joke, apart from Ken Brockman's little joke at the end. I'm not really sure what the purpose of that was, where he says, you know, it's like a pointless decade. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of unrelated stuff from the 60s, including, like, is it Jesse Owens, the guy at the Olympics? Yeah. 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 Which is, like, yeah, a pretty, like, big, important moment. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And a terrible dark stain on our history here in Australia, because the uh, Australian Olympic Committee, the guy on third on that podium, mm. who uh, is just standing there while the other guys do the black power symbol, he got blacklisted by the Australian Olympic Committee yep. and was the only athlete not brought back for the 2000 Games. Wow. Mm. Yep. yep. Yeah, because he, he, he because he just tolerated them doing the black power sign. He didn't participate. He just stood there. I think he got a badge off one of them. I think he wore a badge in, yeah, in sport. Yeah. But yeah. So that's our shame, Australia. Mm. Anyway, back to this episode. <laughs> but yeah, there was no jokes. Yeah, it was just literally the Simpsons animated versions of yeah Woodstock, Richard Nixon, and you spent time on this. Like mm. they stopped and showed yeah. us all these things. Much like Mr. Burns huffing from his ether bottle, mm. we just stop and watch it, and then we're like. But why? There was yeah. a lot of stopping on jokes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like a mob yep. spraying everyone with a hose at the start and then Homer saying, I'm not so good with words. And it's like, oh, this is a yeah. joke that I definitely told as a nine-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually really hated that moment just because that was your chance to have a heart moment of Homer saying, please just give me a chance to get my mother. This is a technicality. Mm. You're ruining lives. Again, a statement on the justice system. Instead, it's just, oh, please give me back my mommy. And it's like, why undersell yourself with such a potential moment for that heart? Mm. Yeah. This episode desperately needs. And even when she gets acquitted, it's then ended with that, let's focus on Sideshow Mel doing his Yelp review for the fucking oh, yeah. uh, hotel. I'm suddenly glad we have beers for this uh, <laughs> part of the podcast. <laughs> The other two montages were, yeah, the mother and child reunion of Homer doing all kid shit now with mm -hmm. Mona. How did this land with you guys? They did it in a more subtle and interesting way in the first episode that we just watched. Yeah, without him <laughs> just doing handstands, like, Mom, look at me. Mm. That said, I do like Homer as part of the kid's play inexplicably, just being a tree. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. It's just kind of, <laughs> you know, what is the what is the function of this that hasn't already been sort of served you know it would be way more interesting to focus in on the rest of the family and how they're feeling about this as well like yeah and that's why the third montage of john lennon's mother over all that still like yeah it feels like we're treading that same ground again for another mm. on the nose music choice yeah i was very surprised when that started playing mm. and especially when 
you know, I think songs in these kind of montages can be used in, in two ways. You either try to invoke a mood, which is what I think All Along the Watchtower is used for, because that's classic, cliche, push the button, think of the 60s. Or yeah. you're trying to get the lyrics of the already existing song to add to the story. But the lyrics yeah. in John Lennon's mother are so slow and so far apart that you only mm. get, what, two lines maybe before the montage simply has to end. Mm. And I just don't think it was the right choice. No, Simpsons have such a problem with this in more recent episodes, especially when they choose ballads with lyrics being slowly delivered. It's like, no, you're, you're a cartoon. You've only got the, you know this amount of time. You know, speed it up. Let's get see my vest and yep. play the Weird Al poker version of Mother that I assume <laughs> that I assume exists. I've never looked. I've never looked. <laughs> I assume, yeah. Wackiness. Was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? Too Uh, wacky. There's a rat in Maggie's room, which she's playing with, which is kind of funny. The rat should have been grittier. It should have been like a really Mm. dirty, like, a really dirty, like, filthy little rat friend. I would have enjoyed that. It's pretty wacky that um, when they drive through the police station, Homer literally kills a man and it seems to be repercussionless. And as someone that has worked as a criminal defense lawyer, not a huge fan of Remember Me as a drain on society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, this episode's weird. Yeah, this show yeah. it's definitely like the seeming assumption that the job of like a defense attorney is to help like guilty scumbags stay out yeah. of prison. That's actually a weird theme running through a lot of this. Is like, if you're in prison, you belong there, motherfucker. Yeah, the whole mm. thing about like now just the people who are really innocent. Like, you know, especially yeah. among, like, people who aren't white men, like, incarceration of mm. people who haven't necessarily committed crimes or have committed yeah. crimes that aren't necessarily, like, worthy of incarceration is, uh... And even then, uh, like, uh, the bit where Homer's all like, oh, technicality shouldn't get people into prison, it should get them out of prison. It's like, yeah, one joke would be like, okay, that's just a joke, but there's a theme here. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And the characterizations of some of the prisoners, like that one that ends the same with, you're like the son I never killed. It's like, holy fuck. Yeah. 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 Mm. It feels like the show's position is that Mona Simpson should go to prison for the thing she did. You know, there's never any discussion around the fact that, you know, the crime that she committed was against, like, this evil developer. Uh, it's it's complicated. It's it's a weird episode. Mm. I don't like well, it. She signed a National Park Registry 20 years ago. <sighs> like, yeah, we were sort of saying the last episode, as good as it was, it was sort of a bit, you know, wishy-washy with that sort of stuff. But this is just unbelievably focused on such lazy writing (laughs) and the trial itself i'm not entirely clear on what the purpose of the trial was it seems like it's pretty clear cut that she did the thing Mm -hmm. that she's being accused of and that didn't seem to be a factor they weren't like debating her guilt or her innocence it was a trial to determine whether it was worth sending her to prison or not which, yeah, I'm not an expert on this, but it feels like that's not a case that needs a jury, necessarily. Yeah, surely two and a half decades is beyond the statute of limitations for that sort of shit. I'm, I'm no lawman, but... Yeah, I mean... I ain't no big city lawyer. It, it'd be interesting to know what that case was actually supposed to be. Because if it's mm. Burns making a destruction of property claim, he's got maybe three years to pursue that. If it is a criminal thing, then there will be a statute of limitations on it, but who knows what, because we don't know what the law in Springfield is. Yeah, but as James said, the setup for the trial didn't seem to actually be 
Although I guess Sideshow Mel did say we can't find her guilty, so maybe it was a, a finding of guilt thing, <laughs> despite not being set up for that it's at all. So strange. This <laughs> I know people will say we're like overanalyzing the plot of like this silly cartoon, but there is a level of incoherence. Yeah, well, those here. people are listening to podcasts, yeah. so they're a fucking nerd, all right? <laughs> <laughs> There's just That's a shout level out to of all like, our nerds out there. We love you. It just we doesn't quite make enough sense, you know? Like I mm. feel like there's a threshold that a show as wacky as The Simpsons still needs to hit, where it's coherent enough that you understand, like, the basic sort of building blocks of the plot. And this one, mm. I just feel like the main thing I understand from this episode is that the writers of The Simpsons at this period were scornful towards anyone who had committed a criminal offence. Yeah. yeah. And just the convenient storytelling as well that, yeah, they take all this time to get away from the cops at the diner and just Homer literally crashing into the police station is just... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, which is a bigger offence than what Mona did. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why isn't Homer the one on trial? Yeah, exactly. And it is a real, like, <laughs> this period of The Simpsons sort of joke where yeah. it's just like, uh, I'm not going to do the worst thing I could possibly do. Oh, I'm accidentally doing it right now. It's, uh... It's not very good. It's not a very good episode. Uh, not in the slightest. And finally, on the wackiness at the end, Mona's escaping the bus and also before that when we are led to believe that she perished. Uh, How did you guys think this played out? I remember the first time I watched this episode thinking that it was very grim mm. because they do sort of sell the idea that she has actually died. And I remember, like, the scene where the coffin goes down the hill thinking, like, this is really unnecessary. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's another part I really hated because um, there's a good line from Homer that says, mm. your last act as a mother was to teach me to be a better father. And I'm like, that's great. And then he's like, I'll never lose you again. And the coffin rolls away. Like, for fuck's sake, just have your heart. Yeah. The problem yeah. is, like, the idea of somebody losing their mother after like the mother disappearing and then like returning to their life and then like losing the mum again is not mm. funny on any level like there's really no, no way to make it funny you know you just the Simpsons used to be better at sort of like finding the ways to make other things funny in a scene like that but in an episode mm. like this it treats Homer's loss of his mother as the funny thing yeah that's the punchline yeah, yeah, and it is. It's so grim and depressing that, yeah, seeing that bus and seeing the air bubbles yeah. and then the explosion and then the fucking rock fall. It's yeah. just like... Yeah, I mean, I like the lines. I don't like the context in which they're delivered of, okay, well, this is now a rescue message, and then it explodes. Yeah. Uh, salvage message. Mission. All right, <laughs> uh, why don't we just reconvene tomorrow at 10 and take some time? Like in the previous episode, like, Mona bumping her head and saying, this, you know, that's mm. funny. That's like a little fun thing that happens... During yeah. the scene is also kind of sweet and it's nice and just like the episodes in this are they're cruel. It's, there's a weird cruelty to this episode. Mm. Yeah. And BT, that line you mentioned before of your last act as, as a mum was to make me a better dad. I'd forgotten about that line and I actually got like, you know, a bit of a shiver down my spine yeah. and hairs on my neck. That is a powerful line. But mm. I was actually infuriated by it because and i think you actually used a word before bt about the first episode which i think explains why i was infuriated by it the mm. first episode had a balance to it this one balances an amazing line after you know when she's saying in the bus don't abandon your family like i abandon you and yeah. then that's what he takes away from it but the balance for that is a fucking steaming pile of shit that is the rest of the episode. <laughs> like, it feels so unearned to have one mm. of the top five 
most impactful Simpsons lines come at the end of this absolute thing. Like, people are excited about T-shirts. What yeah. on earth is this episode? Homer had also just abandoned Bart in the desert to go and drive this. Uh, oh, yeah. Bart, oh, yeah. Bart will be fine. <laughs> so, following on from that, how is the heart? I think we just got I mean, yeah, look, pretty much. That, that one line did more for my heart than, you know, the last kind of four mm. weeks of me in my standard operating procedure of not feeling anything. Um, <laughs> but very unearned. Yeah, I also like the concept. I, I don't like the idea that Homer hijacks the prison bus to try and save his mother. But yeah, they do give it gravity of if you get caught, you're going to be gone from your kids just like I was gone from you. And that's, but yeah, the rest of it is just so wacky and ridiculous. Yeah, mm. there are sort of pockets of sweetness here. Like Glenn Close, mm. very good, obviously. It's Glenn Close. She's, um, she's doing good work here, even if the part, you know, there's not a lot to what she's been given to do. Like she's really good yeah. in that little monologue at the end. That's apparently hidden in the newspaper. Uh, you know, the little moment where they're catching up at the diner, I kind of liked that. Where they're talking about, like, you know, pizza was the first food you choked on and the whole thing about him making her the pencil holder because her pencils were all over the place. Like, all of that's quite nice <laughs> yeah. and sweet. And there is a bit of heart there and just, like, you know, Homer and his mum having this connection and being able to, like, jump right back to how things were before. But the episode squanders all of the goodwill at, um doesn't even quite get around to building up yeah well speaking of the heart and yeah i agree those moments in the diner landed with me but that final speech i just i kept comparing it to the original mother simpson episode with homer on the hood of the car it's just like her with two randoms eating clam chowder it's not yeah, at all yeah. the same impact is no. it i know sequels are hard but fucking yeah hell. <laughs> Well, even the reason she comes back, like in the first one, she thinks he's dead, so he's gone to his grave. Whereas this yeah. one, oh, I found a macaroni pencil holder you made for me, and I thought I had to see you. It was like, okay. I do kind of enjoy the joke of her hiding an extremely long message full mm. of, like, unnecessary details in the newspaper mm. article, because it means that this is an extremely long article about Giant Tago. Yep. But, I don't know, you're grasping at straws with an episode like this. It's kind of like, we're all Millhouse at the box factory hoping that there's candy in the boxes, you know? Wow. Deep. You just explained my entire life. <laughs> but ultimately, did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Are these are the characters we know and love. Is this a show we know and love? Is this, how's the integrity? It in bursts. Here's the thing. It really does feel like The Simpsons, but only in the context of, like... There was a run of The Simpsons that was very bad and mean-spirited. <laughs> and, yeah. like, this really feels like a quintessential, like, season 15 episode. Like, mm. bringing up the stuff that you know people have nostalgia for and then just, like, doing a bad job with it. Being a bit mean. Having this weird, like, moral sort of unpleasantness where, like, I find myself fundamentally disagreeing with the episode feels very much of this era. Mm. So it does feel like The Simpsons, but only if you look at The Simpsons as an all-encompassing thing that has run for like 32 seasons. And Yeah. <laughs> That's why I use the qualifier, does this feel like the characters and show we know and love? <laughs> this is not the era that we know and love. Yeah, I mean, I guess the era, Homer doing something crazy, you know, that kind of fits, but yeah, the spirit of it, I don't like. But yes or no, would you watch this one again? Uh, mm. I feel like this is the sort of one, like, if it was on TV... I might not change the channel, Ooh. you know, sort of in that ballpark of I'm not going to go out of my way to avoid it, but I'm not going to seek yeah. it out. Passes the hangover test. Yeah, it passes the hangover test. It doesn't pass the laundry test. 
<laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 But uh, what would you like to change about this one? BT, we'll start with you. A lot. I don't even know where to start because there's a lot of things I want to do. Um, Have Mona Simpson come back for a different reason. Get rid of that stupid bit where Bart jumps through the air yelling karate mm. and then Mona puts a jumper on him. That's dumb. He also jumps through the neck of the shirt. He's ruined that jumper. <laughs> just, um, have the implication be, yeah, that she's been writing these letters for a while and it just happens to be this is the one that Homer picked up because that is dumb as shit otherwise. Yep. Mm. Uh, changed a lot of the third act. Like... I realize they're going for full-on whack and just, you know, attitude towards the justice system and the trial and, you know what, just tear it all down. Let me start over. Uh, James, what would you like to change? I feel like this episode needs to fundamentally deal with the fact that what has happened to Mona is not fair, that Mm -hmm. this is, like, not a thing that she should probably be prosecuted for at this point. You know, I should have a bit more respect for the character and her journey and, like... Absolutely. Maybe why she went to this, you know, germ lab in the first place and, uh... You know, it should actually deal with, like, the complicated stuff. This is what the episode's not doing. Like, this is what the show is not doing at this point. Actually, you know, getting its hands a bit dirty and dealing with the complications of the plot lines that it is sort of weaving between a bit. You know, this one you know, could have actually said some things about, like, the criminal justice system. It could have delved into mm-hmm. who Mona is as a character and, like, could have even been, like, one of those episodes where Mr. Burns, like, has a bit of a change of heart. There's different things. But also, like, you know, I really feel like the fact that Mona is a character outside of her relationship with Homer is disrespected in this one a bit. The fact that Lisa doesn't get to interact with her at all is borderline disrespectful. Uh, yep. mm. You know, this show doesn't often doesn't treat its, you know, women as well as it could. And I feel like that's definitely one of those plot lines where it's like, you know, this is a, a really impactful relationship that is a sort of abandoned. I guess the writers should have at least, like, gotten out their DVD collection and watched the previous episode <laughs> again before <laughs> trying yeah. to do this one. Uh, how about you, Nick? What would you like to change? Um, I would have liked to see more inside the Kidteractive Learnatorium. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, if the Kidteractive Learnatorium was in fact just a ruse to catch mm. Mona, then the two guys that walk away with the sign, so when Burns unveils the war- germ warfare sign to the Kidteractive Learnatorium, there are two guys that walk away with it. Those guys should be walking straight up a ladder and reattaching the sign. Oh, that's an excellent punch. Because I actually initially liked that joke of him pulling down the sign and it just sort of clunks to yeah, the ground. Yeah, just clunks to like... the ground. And then it gets carried off. But if we're not going to see inside the Kid Interactive Learnatorium, because presumably yep. it is just a smokescreen, <laughs> they should be immediately reattaching the germ warfare sign. Yeah, and that's when you have Chief Wiggum notice this and go, hmm, this isn't right, see? Hey. And yeah, hey. then he gets hey. involved. Yeah, what I'd like to change, James, you were hitting on something uh, really good there, and, like, the idea that the law keeps getting in the way of their relationship, I think, is worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah, Homer just wants to have a relationship with his mum, and the law wants to tie her up to this, yeah, very frivolous thing, and also being at odds because this is his boss that's trying to run after her. Yeah, there's just so many unexplored angles in this thing. It's surprising and they have time for it pull away so many of these break to a halt jokes like yeah just notice another one homer fucking actually going through the headlines like the pacing of this episode is wild it's just plot changing every five seconds up until homer does the newspaper thing and yeah and the idea is that he's finding not jokes. So mm. the end result is oh, we're spending funny. a minute watching not jokes. That opening section is so turgid. It is so tedious. <laughs> yeah. 
But also, it, it's the classic thing that you guys have talked about a lot. When the joke The Simpsons is making is, isn't this boring? We get yeah. stuck watching the boring thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good joke writing system, guys. And look, it's a hard line to draw is like, why is the rate gag funny and this isn't? Like, yeah. Mm. And it's it's hard to tell, but there's definitely a difference. Yeah. All right, we're here. It's now it's time, now it's time. Final notes. Jackal, what are your final notes? All right, I got a few here. So opening couch gag, the Simpsons run up. They're all like dusty skeletons. They turn to dust mm. and flow away in the wind. And, you know, that's a big mood. I feel the same way. We've all had a hard time. <laughs> I feel even more like that uh, having watched yeah. the episode. Uh, all we are is skeleton <laughs> dust in the wind. There's a joke early on where Marge is spraying Homer with a hose to get him inside. And he yells out, this counts as having a bath. And this struck me as the most weirdly childish joke. Because I get like kids like to avoid having baths, like to avoid having showers. But when you're an adult and you're watching another adult say that, it's so strange, like, that somebody would be that opposed to having a bath. I get what the joke is, but there's something kind of disgusting about it that bothered me. (laughs) It got under my skin that he is that childish. I don't think it's actually a childish thing. I think it's a trauma thing, because if we do look back into our Simpsons history, we'll know that the bath is the place where Homer got struck by a chair by bath. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. And I suppose there was the... The day he skipped church and had a big hot shower and then the house burnt down. Yeah. Maybe he does <laughs> yeah. have trauma episodes with cleaning. With self-cleaning. Mm. I mean, interesting, look. Interesting, interesting. Well, I guess you're right. I guess this is a cubic zirconia episode and that was a perfect <laughs> moment within it. And it actually uh, fit. to the next one. <laughs> and let's not forget the crusty doll comes after him in the bath. Oh, that's right. Mark, no wonder this man <laughs> never takes a bath. Oh, and Homer in the mar- and Marge in the bath when they're trying to get intimate, and mm. he falls out of the shower, and he th- the news thinks he's sleeping in an oxygen tent. He believes gives him sexual powers. That's true. You're an idiot, <laughs> he's been James. So many times. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll just leave. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> the other thing is like fairly straightforward fix here. I think Homer should have brought Lisa to the initial meeting, even though it would have made a little less sense on paper. It would have been more resonant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Lisa gets to see her grandma again, I didn't mind the sign gag: a burger and squalor for under a dollar. That's fine. That's something. Uh, mm-hmm. That at least counts as a joke. Let's see what else have I got here. Hey, let me check with the officials. Yes, it counts. <laughs> KFC. A lot of my uh, notes sponsored here. action replay. It's a joke. Yay! <laughs> him. Some of my notes here include: I am frustrated. Uh, <laughs> this episode is bad. And Mark. then, hmm, and then, hmm. <laughs> so, to be very clear, I can see Jekyll's notes. There's a capital H and three lowercase m's, and then two <laughs> lines under it is a capital H with three uppercase m's. Just really selling home the hmm. Yeah, from a hmm to a hmm. Yeah. Right, I got two more notes here. Yep. At one point, Homer mentions that he torched a blood bank. Yeah. Mm. Which is one of those things where, like, you know, you're just making a joke about Homer being a bit of a dick and you take it too far and it's weird yep. and it doesn't work. And then the the thing that I probably enjoyed the most in this episode, just because I'm a bit of a sucker for this very specific kind of thing, is when Homer steals an entire room from Flanders' house. Yeah. It's yes. like the level of ridiculousness that I can tolerate where, you know, it's kind of like... The person who is the butt of the joke is like his nice neighbor who he hates. Mm-hmm. Flanders takes it so well, just saying, You snooze, you lose. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, I almost have a bit of that 
often when bad things happen to me, I'm just sort of like, well, whatever, the universe will just, you know, uh, I guess it's my fault somehow. So I almost relate to Flanders <laughs> on this. Fuck. Um, I'm a bit of a, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Like when uh, Homer steals the flowers from Ned's garden and salts the earth so nothing will ever grow again, like that sort of thing. I always steals enjoy- Steals the air conditioner. And mm-hmm. yeah. Also with the- clear drag lines from the house just mwah, yeah. sell the was that on your roof <laughs> was that you on my roof last night stealing the weather vane yeah i like <laughs> i always just enjoy like homer being mean to flanders and flanders just sort of brushing it off as like an acceptable mm-hmm. thing so i enjoyed that yeah it was ultra wacky to have an entire room but i thought it did a good pullback and reveal and yeah yeah, yeah i did enjoy the that the level of wacky work and accept if it was like a whole house that would be too much one room i can accept that how about you, Nick? Any other notes? Yep. The pseudonym Anita Bong hit that uh, Mona used to sign the National Park Registry feels <laughs> like it was probably a Bart Moe prank call name that they could just never yeah. get away with, <laughs> but it was up on a pin board in the writer's room for the last 15 years. <laughs> yep. Breaking case of emergency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing that doesn't fit for me with the Anita Bong hit stuff how does Burns know that that was her? Like, he hasn't looked at her signature of the Kid Interactive Learnatorium. How does how is he comparing the handwriting? It doesn't really make any sense. Well, so Mona brings it up herself. Yeah, She's like, yeah. oh, yeah. I had to write a lot of fake names over the years when I visited visited parks. Yeah. Oh, what about National Park? Yeah, yeah. but a then a stretch. my final note is when Mona goes to Moe's and talks to uh, Carl and Lenny and we find out that there was a third who was Steve, mm. whose head was never found. That's yeah. a pretty dark look into the past. Grim. That's grim. Are, are the Simpsons writers okay? <laughs> I like, don't think they were at this point yeah. in time. Oh, yeah, this episode's 17 years old. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, they're not okay emotionally, nor are they okay in terms of being writers. <laughs> How about you, BT? Any other notes? Uh, of course I do. When Police Chief Wiggum's like, Chief, I think that's Mona Simpson's. Like, ah, well, if you're wrong, I'm going to make you and Lou kiss each other. I checked with the union. You can only make us do that once. That was, that was like, had some yeah, fun there. Yeah, uh, interesting police laws playlist, yep. I guess. Yeah. Squirrels down your pants, purposes of gambling, uh, all that. I do like Mona was a reader for blind and a listener for the deaf. That's good. Yeah, that's okay. And the reacher of tall shells for the short. Yep. Marge recreating the birth of Bart, I did not like oh, at all. No, why? No. How did we strange? How did we forget to mention this scene? Like, admittedly, Mona does say, ah, uh, you don't have to do this, but even then, it's just really weird. I don't know why it's there. Yeah, and really bad costuming from Bart as well. No baby comes out of the stomach with a diaper on. I mean, he was nude otherwise. Is that what you wanted, Elliot? I mean, we've seen Bart's dick. We know what it looks like. A nude little baby Barty boy. Is that what you want? No. Bart over here didn't even get amniotic fluid to bloody cover himself (laughs) in. (laughs) I'm Elliot. (laughs) It's a flawless. It was weird. I was hearing Elliot speak, and yet here he was, and his mouth wasn't moving. I'd like to now take us to Jordan's anal corner. Jordan's anal corner. Yeah, where Mr. Burns says, how you'd like to be the first to sign the guest book. That guest book has clearly already been signed. They Mm. are in the middle of that book. It has got writing on it. What kind of bullshit do they think we wouldn't notice? Come on. I know. (laughs) Stupid cunts. Um, (laughs) What an escalation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Take that, Michael Price, co-creator of F is for family. Yep. Ah, Stupid. 
I kind of like the joke of, you know, the people driving away with Mona and Homer chasing after they kind of start, stop, and they have that moment of, would you stop it? He just lost his mother. Oh, uh, one more. Okay, <sighs> I didn't it is like kind that. of funny. I, I hated all of this. It should have cut there, and then after that, I was like, no, you've now you've gone. No, that goes back to on. my earlier thing of like, it's yeah. just not that funny. Homer's <laughs> uh, <laughs> losing his mom. Yeah, it's mean-spirited. Uh, another Jordan Zane corner. All the prisoners have the prison number 5231. That's not our prison I, number. I noticed well. that too. Oh. Yeah, weird. Don't know what they think is going on. 8675309. Jenny. Got your number. Is that the Domino's number? <laughs> one three double one double six. Pizza delivery. Oh, my yep. God. Oh, that sounds so weird because ours was uh, 9481111. One, one. One. Oh, I don't oh. like that. That's, no. that's, that's, that's done my head in. That's that. just one three double one double six. One three double one double six. One three double one double six. Pizza Hut delivery. I maintain that is the only reason Pizza Hut did as well as it did because people could remember the number. Yeah. Like what? What's Domino's number? I don't know. But see, I thirteen, I, eleven, fourteen. No, wait, that's last see. One. You're not even sure. <laughs> Domino's number and you is love download Domino's. the app. Thirteen, eleven, fourteen <laughs> well, is definitely yeah. lifeline. Um, did you guys have the same loop mobile number? Thirteen, right? thirty, thirty-two. Louisville will do the last. That's what I like about them. Homer office on the spot. There's just (laughs) one thing, really, that you need to do. And that's to go 13, 13, 32. For everything mechanical, they've got it. And they'll fix the car. They'll fix the car! Sponsored by Loopmobile. <laughs> Sorry to anyone uh, listening to this who didn't live in Australia in, like, 1995. No, no, no apologies. Yeah, but yep. so hopefully we've just racked up some big Spawn dollars for you there. Some big oh, Spawn yeah. dollars. Yeah, this counts as advertising. Yeah, yeah this is advertising. Spawn Spongelix, yeah. Spongelix, yeah. What? Yeah. It's an old-timey word for money. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and a joke I kind of liked was like Homer letting all the prisoners go. I'm like, okay, now find your way back to the prison. They're like, we will. I like that cheeky line. I do not like the follow-up of, you're like the son I never killed. Mm. Yeah, the the button can go away. Uh, just following on from that scene, when Mona kicks him out, I like that he lands on the nice comfy bed and wheels Mm. into the brambles. That was pretty good. The judge allows Bart to give Lisa an off-screen Indian burn. Or Yeah, we shouldn't be using that term, but that's what they use. I don't know what else to call it at this point, though. Uh, ouchie twist. An ouchie twist I mean, is fair. good. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, baby, do the ouchie twist. Ow. Yes. <laughs> ouchie. Ow, my arm. Uh, my partner and I recently rewatched Itchy and Scratchy Land. This is a bit of a tangent, but it's about The Simpsons, so I'm going on it. Uh, you yeah, know that bit where it. they're watching Pinocchio and oh, yeah. the, his, his nose shoots through Scratchy and Scratchy yells, ouchie. Now, anytime either of us like lightly hurts ourselves, we yell, ouch, yeah. And it's good. It's a good bet. That's very good. And the other one laughs like little Pinicchio. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Back to whatever the fuck this episode was. Uh, so I can get some more depressing notes in, like, after Homer pushes over the gravestone, which he would later reveal was filled with last week's trash, he kicks over Grimes' tombstone for no reason. Yeah, the Simpsons are like, remember this episode as well? Remember uh-huh. Grimy, hey? Have you noticed this episode is called My Mum the Carjacker, but the only person who carjacks anything is Homer? Yeah, oh, yeah. and it's a van. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. If not a mini bus. They should have called it me, Homer, the van jacker. <laughs> <laughs> what of it? <laughs> All right, must be time to rank this thing. PT, your turn to go first. Man, I'm a little split on this one because as an episode as it stands on its own, it's probably a participant. I can forget and ignore this. That's fine. But then I think about what it's doing to the legacy of Mona Simpson, how utterly cynical and shallow and showing no respect for the character that it's doing. And that just makes me angry and bitter in a way I wasn't aware I had in my heart. 
Oh, fuck off, BT. You were entirely aware that you could be this bitter. <laughs> I mean, it's always a surprise too. to me. I'm all sunshine and paddle pops most of the time. Rainbow paddle pops. Sunshine, paddle pops, <laughs> and <laughs> rainbow <laughs> paddle pops. Uh, Everything for the sake, so, for the sake I feel of like to calls. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> More spondles. <laughs> so for the sake of posterity for the entire series, I'm going to fail. All right, next. I'm going to go participant. I was thinking fail, but Homer's line about your last act as a mum was to make me a better dad is good enough to keep it out of the fiery pits of failure, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I'm... Oh, man, I'm on that failure party fence. Uh, I think I'm going to fall into part, especially in comparison. It's definitely not the amongst those worst episodes that we've watched, but yeah, there is a lot of hateful neglect with handling the story, but a handful of okay-ish jokes uh, just bring mm-hmm. me up. Jack, will finish it off. Yeah, I'm going. I'm definitely going participant on this one. Uh, I feel like there's a few jokes that kind of work in here. I think Glenn Close is good. And I think the mm-hmm. idea of bringing back Mona is a good idea, even if they fucked it pretty hard. Um, <laughs> and also, I just I know how much worse this show can get. And I feel like last time we came on, I failed an episode that I hated like a lot more than I hated this one. So yeah, partic- is a participant is bad. Oh, I still It'll remember how much the Sorry. I still remember how much the Bard of War just bummed us out. Yeah. Oh, what a bad racist episode. All right, well, that'll be averaging out into a dull participant, which sounds very right for this one. Mm-hmm. It'll be the third episode from season 15 to be dull participated. It'll be <laughs> joining Catch Em If You Can, which is, yeah, a parody of Catch Me If You Can, except Bart and Lisa are trying to catch up to Marge and Homer, who just want to fucking piece. That's a good movie. Yep. Like we all do. Just want a fucking piece, yeah. Mm. And uh, recently reviewed Bart Mangled Banner, where Bart accidentally moons the flag and... Mm. How is that a concept for an episode? <laughs> I was listening to that review last night as I was somewhat drunkenly falling off to sleep, and I was so confused when you were outlining the plot for the episode. I had to keep <laughs> rewinding the episode of the pod and go, hang on, hang on, hang on, what? Uh, he's it was he's one of the temporarily most... deaf and can't hear people booing when his pants fall down in front of the flag. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought I was... When ha- a donkey rips his pants I off. I thought I was yep. having a fucking fever dream. <laughs> Wait, a donkey yeah. rips... Nah, I'll just listen to the episode. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it won't make any more sense. No. <laughs> uh, and then they go to Alcatraz Gitmo where Elmo's mm. there. Anyway. <sighs> and kills himself. And kills himself. Oh, okay, good. All right, guys. Time to move on to another Teens Era episode where we're finishing off the Mona trilogy where we're watching Mona Leaves Are. BT, any ideas what happens in this one? Uh, Mona, like, rakes some leaves and that's her job now and she kind of puts it into a sculpture of Homer's face and Homer sees that from an airplane and is like, oh, my mother's alive again and parachutes down but dies on the way. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll go watch that. We'll be back. And we are back, and we just watched our final episode of the Mona Simpson trilogy. This, of course, was Season 19, Episode Same, Mona Leaves Her. First released in May of Ought 8, it was directed by Mike B. Anderson and Ralph Sosa, written by Joel H. Cohen. In this episode, Mona comes back again, but then she dies for real, apparently, this time. Hey, all, what did we think? Yeah. Ouch! <laughs> Man, 
<laughs> I don't fucking care. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate this episode anywhere near as much as uh, the middle episode. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, controversial opinion. I kind of almost liked this one. Really? I mm. was kind of... I was enjoying it up until the third act. Yeah. The last act was like, eh, not really sure why they're doing this, but okay, mm. you've built up enough goodwill that I'll... Uh, I'll let it happen. Well, for me, a big part of it is the last episode was the slap in the face, and in this one, they're just slapping an already slapped face. Right. (laughs) Like, the horrendous nature of it is not as horrendous because we've already ruined the thing, you know? But this one is at least about something, apart from, you know, like... uh, why we should lock all criminals up in prison like the last one. This one, uh, I don't know, this one's actually kind of like, it feels like this is what they should have done with the other episode. I don't know, like, I just didn't settle into this one ever. Like, it was just rushing through its paces and also just so many continuity breaks as well like oh there's certainly that but to its credit this one does get into it much sooner i think mona simpson Mm. has passed away by the first ad break so that is really Mm. you know getting through its paces much quicker much more efficiently than the last one but it's never addressed that homer thought that she was dead already like i don't know it yeah yeah i mean when, when a woman when you think someone has been dead for the third time at this point yeah it's like, yeah. is she though but at the end of that last episode i guess if i'm to be generous and you know me i have a generous nature i like to be generous uh mm-hmm. at the end of the last one he thought she was alive yeah because yeah. he read that newspaper and he you know he didn't see the message from her but he saw a different one yeah but no oh, one he, else saw, did. he saw the i'm okay message yeah, it's yeah. the rest mm-hmm. of the family that thought she was dead and so, yeah, that's another thing that this episode severely lacking is, like, I guess it had more interaction with Mona and the kids, but in a very indirect way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, let's hook into it. James, let's start with you. For better or worse, what stands out to you from this episode that you clearly love and are defending? <sighs> like, this is just one of the... I feel like a few times now I've been on this podcast, I end up kind of liking the later episode that we end up watching. Um, and I felt like... Like I was saying before, this one has a much more interesting plot. I'm just looking at my notes to try to figure out what I should talk about here, though. Uh, I've got something that stands out while you're looking at your notes. Sure, go for Mm -hmm. it. The insults that Bart records on the teddy bears, one of them is cheese wang. Uh, Yep. I like that. Yeah, the whole opening section where they go to the toy store and and fuck around for a while. The the Mm -hmm. stuff and hug fun works love lab. Yeah, doing a bit of a -a Build-A-Bear riff. Yeah, but uh, Jordan's anal corner was shown that they're not Jordan's like anal corner. They're not like remote activated bears. You have to push the button. There's a button on the bears. I, this bit doesn't work for me. There's a bear button. Yes. The only possible work around that is that Bart recorded them with various length of paws in front of them and then oh, triggered yeah. them all at once. I don't the, think Bart's clever enough for that. But Cheese Wang, very clever. What about bo- <laughs> I do like booger breath, and then Homer's like, "That's a medical condition." Mm-hmm. So, yes yeah. i don't know this is like this period of the simpsons i'm just pleased if nothing is like specifically racist like it's, a- <laughs> it's like hanging out with that uncle you know has some extreme opinions and then getting out it's like well you know what that was okay yeah i mean in the stuff and hug fun works love lab there was the bit where the tv was broken and they said call eric i'm eric no 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 call black eric i mean that wasn't mm. great yeah, it's just maybe, maybe what not are we doing spec- here. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do like the lead-in joke of like, well, why tell you when I can show you? <sighs> the video's broken. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I walk that. and we can dance. <laughs> All right, I do have. I've got a specific thing what to talk got? about in this opening section of this. And the podcast. Just a remi- 
And just a reminder, we've already discussed Cheese Wang. Okay, well, I've got nothing then. Uh, okay, so, look, I'm going to get into our, you know, our regular section, a close reading of Glenn Close, uh, yep. where we talk about the performance of Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This one is interesting. I had to look up to just double check that it was still Glenn Close, because this is a noticeably different performance yeah. in ways that I thought were very interesting. She's really playing the age of Mona in this one in a way that is much more noticeable if you've watched all three episodes back to back there's a real like change in the performance mm-hmm. and the second one she was good in the second one maybe a little bored this one she's a bit more locked into like this is a Mona who's older and is more regretful and is you know at the end of her life and is kind of reflecting back on all of this and you know there's like a more of a softness to her. and I thought that was very interesting I thought Glenn Close Glenn Close, who, as we all know, is, you know, one of the actors who has lost the Academy Awards, uh, Olivia Coleman. I forget the yeah. exact riff joke I made earlier, but anyway, uh, yeah, she's good in this. Mm. I think it is good. I think it's a good performance. Mm-hmm. And I think it sort of uh, really elevates the first half or so of this episode. Yeah. And a player a bit more aged makes sense that she then passes away, kind of a, mm. maybe a little hint to that. Yeah. And I also mm. think, like, bringing her back and then making the story this is the third time she's come back and now homer has trust issues around this is a fundamentally pretty good idea i like most of that stuff i think the episode's working pretty well and doesn't really change into a register i don't care about too much until they discover all that weird shit in the mountain in the last third of the movie yeah. uh, episode <laughs> no we went on oh, an epic boy. tale it does feel like a movie yeah and that has been a close reading of glenn close yeah, i assume okay. this is what like installment 25 of that series <laughs> now well, closed <laughs> yeah but i don't know like homer sort of outwardly explaining his feelings like i don't know i felt like it was very this is how i'm feeling like and not sort of doing stuff yeah i do like his line of i'm fine it's my feelings that are angry yeah could have done without you already ate the pie well i'm not gonna digest it (laughs) oh yeah that was i i verbally grimaced at that verbally grimaced yeah (laughs) he made the noise of the grimace (laughs) yeah i did I was what a real grimace man. Grimace! I was, uh, <laughs> I was the, um, what does the McDonald's Twitter say grimace is? The embodiment of a milkshake? I believe so, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know that that's the McDonald's Twitter that's saying that. No, that, that, that is, yeah. Isn't yeah, that part of McDonald's lore? No, it's, it, well, it was, it was confirmed on McDonald's Twitter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah the, the canon the of McDonald's, McDonald's Twitter account that we all follow, of course. <laughs> it's my so, main source of news these days. It's a reason to have Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, Mick News. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's Mick News. Oh, what's this about Mitch McConnell? McConnell. Oh, jeez. McMatthew McConaughey. What are they serving in the White House today? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, jeez. How about you, Nick? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? Uh, Oh, did you? Obviously, cheese. One, oh, yeah, obviously cheese wing, but also oh, uh, yeah. when they're still in the stuff and hug, fun works love lab. I do like the point that Lisa makes about kids' toys being sexist. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. good. Yeah, that's a good bit. And it was actually handled, I thought, reasonably well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought so too. C- considering how poorly I think season fifteen Simpsons or season thirty Simpsons would handle that point very poorly, but weirdly, season nineteen got it just fine. Hmm. How about you, BT? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? The Defender. Yep, not bad. I do like even when how he's like shuffling along when he's swinging the cinder block on the chain. It's it's a good bit. And then it gets a callback later. I will say uh, the bit I didn't like 
is when he throws the defender out the window and you hear a crash sound and Ned goes, ah, my aquarium. That Ouch. is not the sound. <laughs> that is not the sound of a breaking aquarium. Yeah? No, come on. We've done enough folly work to know that is not what it yeah, would you're sound you're going to hear like. the glopping of a fish. Yeah. There's no, like, water sounds. It's clearly the wrong kind of breaking glass for an aquarium. Come on, Simpsons. <laughs> my rays and roundies. <laughs> um, yeah, but, they already had a good fish sample as well when exactly. the pelican dropped the fish in Homer's pants. Hey, that's a great fish sample. Is Are this, you going to drop your fish sample now? Is, <laughs> is, is this BT's <laughs> anal foley corner? <laughs> Why the hell not? Let's not call it that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, <laughs> no, we're calling it that. <laughs> I got the perfect theme song. But I'll let you think about what it is. Oh, anyway. <laughs> and Elliot, what stood out to you for better or worse in this episode of the show that we just watched? Well, I was about to say on the Defender, does that work if it's got a single loop around side the cinder block? Is the cinder block going to stay in? I asked the exact same question to my co-pilot, Jekyll. Yeah, very confusing logistics on this cinder block. Mm. <laughs> like the one in the fantasy later on where it's hanging from his nipples, that at least makes yeah. a little bit more sense. As hard as it is to look at. Of course, that makes more sense. But yeah, it would have been so easy to put the chain on the inside. Mm. Yeah, right? Right. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. We've ticked that one off. Uh, what stands out to me? I guess I like, in theory, the choice that they had for the completely silent act break when yeah. it is revealed that Mona's dead. I thought that was a decent choice. Yeah, that landed for me. Yeah, if this was the previous episode, she definitely would have, like, fallen into the fire or something. Yeah. (laughs) Waka waka. Yeah, she's in the room that they stole from Flanders and it collapses and then also uh, Pelican then drops on, I don't know. And then Homer gets his dick stuck in a shelf or something. (laughs) (laughs) Gets it all cheesy. Toaster falls on his head. And then a Mexican person walks by and says something racist. Yeah. yeah. Damn it, New Simpsons. New Simpsons. And then Marge says, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I hate season 15. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about the wackiness of this episode? Was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? I mean, the knife that got lodged three inches in Homer's skull was pretty <laughs> wacky. Mm. Uh, Marge carrying Homer up the hill was pretty... Uh, yeah. There's some strong gams on that lady. The episode really wasn't that wacky until Homer gets to the top of the mountain and then turns around and then he realizes there's still like six minutes left of this episode and now it's going to be like an espionage thriller. (sighs) It really felt so tacked on. It's weird. It doesn't feel like a parody of Bond. It feels like a parody of Austin Powers. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's how just overly whack it is. Mm. Mm. But yeah, it's really lacking that certain, you know, shagadelic quality that an Austin Powers does have. It does not make me horny, baby. No. no. Mm. A little bad. Also. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was right into the mic. That was hilarious. Yeah. Also, question. Obviously, Mona knew about this missile launch, and that's why mm-hmm. she wanted this specific time of three. So does that mean Mona actually died by suicide to get the day Ooh. of the missile launch right? No, we've come full circle. This started with Homer faking his death with an elaborate mannequin he got for six hundred dollars. Oh this shit! This is not act. We never really get confirmation. So this is not. That was not Mona. Yeah. We're through wow. the looking glass here, people. Yeah, because otherwise that that whole thing makes no sense. Right. And as Elliot pointed <laughs> out, this episode is Mona leaves ah, uh, and I was like leaves ah, uh, leaves are what? And he said, you know, leaves are green. I'm like, <gasps> oh, no, mm. oh, well, yeah. women back at it again. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of leaves being green, yeah. I'm pretty sure 
hemp has no THC in it. Yep. So Marge's theory mm. about the silly smoke is um, mm-hmm. really piss poor. Yep. <laughs> yep. Although I do like her line of when she gets it, she's like, ah, it smells like concerts. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just another one of these things where it's like, okay, now they're playing White Rabbit and then they're going to have mm. a stoner conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so boring. Yeah, the writers of The Simpsons have definitely heard of weed, and that's about yeah. as far as it goes. Uh, yeah. r- writers that have never been stoned, how does that even happen? Well, it's funny, I was watching the commentary once for the episode where Homer gets really into pot, and during like some of those sequences where yeah Homer's like seeing things and having hallucinations mm-hmm. and stuff like Matt Groening bursts out laughing as if he has never seen this episode and goes what the heck do you guys think pot is acid what's going on <laughs> <laughs> quite frankly acid doesn't do that no real acid <laughs> <laughs> my eyes the goggles are showing me such colors wow mm. <laughs> uh, one one wacky joke I did like from this section where Homer is making his way up the cliff and going up the cliff and it shows the rock falling the other way, pull out, reveal, he's mm-hmm. upside down. Not bad. Yep, not bad. I'll take that. I'll pay that. Definitely, pay counts, that as, definitely counts as a joke. <laughs> yep, technically that has the format of a joke. Oh, uh, well, yeah. say, survey says it's a joke. Yes. Hey, ding, ding, uh, th- ding. Thank you to the sponsor of the action joke replay screen, KFC. <laughs> uh, yeah, please buy their bucket meal. I don't know. Get a bucket of fried... Uh, shut up. <laughs> a bucket of fried shut up. Hey, a bucket of fried shut up appeared in this episode. So, you know, oh, top- yeah, it did topical, topical, topical. What do we think about, because this was a fairly wacky episode, we may as well move to the heart. What do we think about the whole heart thing and how they tie in like Homer's uh, food obsession with um, his trauma and everything? I did not like it because it breaks canon because Mona's all like, oh, I've got to go chain myself to a submarine now. It's like, first of all, your first act of rebellion was the Burns bombing. But okay, mm. let's, even if we take mm. that, she just walks away and Homer's like expecting a hug. He's like, that was never Mona. She always cared about him when she was there. She had to yeah. leave mm. for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the montage at the end of all the sweet Homer Mona moments, Homer Mona moments, fucking hell, Um, that felt, again, completely unearned in the context of the episode for me, I think. Yeah. Like, it was aiming for heart, but it didn't actually do the heavy lifting to get us there. No, definitely. And that's sort of what this episode felt like to me. And, And especially some of Homer and Mona's conversations, like... It felt like they weren't motivated by the events of previous episodes at all. Mm. Like they were inventing a new narrative just for this episode. Yeah, because you did say in the first one, it would have been kind of nice maybe to see Mona as a bit more of an ass, uh, in the yeah. sense that maybe she was neglectful, but that's not what was established. So to do that now is just breaking what made that first episode so impactful. Yeah. And yeah, if they'd done it from the beginning, sure, but they're just rewriting history now. I don't know. I'm conflicted on this. I feel like... This episode is working within the confines of being the third episode about her and, like, the third time she has appeared after disappearing and a lot of this is sort of like, let's visit things we didn't visit in the first two because it feels very different to Homer now and this Mm. is, like, different circumstances and it feels Mm -hmm. different and he's in a very different place mentally about it. Yeah. And I do wonder if, you know, if this is meant to be, like, how he remembers things and he's maybe leaving a few things out or he's cherry-picking the worst sort of incidences of her being weird around the house. Yeah, fair. Because, you know, you have that sort of sweeter memory at the end, which seems to be when he's sort of, you know, reflecting on her more fondly. Which, I don't know, that's kind of how memory works sometimes, isn't it? You know, you sort Mm -hmm. of, like, you remember someone in an entirely negative light and then, like, something creeps through and you're like, oh, wait, no, there was more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair. 
This is again me being like uh, unexpectedly defending a later <laughs> period episode that I didn't expect to like, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Plot twist, fucking. <laughs> this yeah, one really does feel like it's trying, though. This one feels like it has ideas and thoughts it's, and it's, it's sort trying, of working through them to its credit it is trying something different but some of that just does not gel at all like there's a bit in the beginning where mona's all like oh i finally want to stop running and be your mom i uh, realize you're the most important thing in the world to me it's like you always knew that that yeah. was the pain of what you were going through to begin yeah. with whereas yeah yeah it's just the rewrite that really doesn't fit and that's what's annoying yeah i appreciate they had the idea but it just doesn't compact with what we've got already but ultimately, does this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? How's the character integrity? I mean, it's a parody of Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, character integrity is fine up until the end of the second act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And from there, it starts to go a little bit. Although I think Homer enjoying being pushed around on the rocket or the missile, that's probably vintage Golden Retriever Homer. Mm. But yeah, it feels Simpsons-y until it stops feeling Simpsons-y, which is about two-thirds of the way through the Simpsons episode. Yep, that's fair. I do like a little touch like Mona wrapping up her will by uh, having animal bloopers because, you know, Homer will enjoy them. That I quite like. But it's they not an bloopers. animal blooper. I know. I know it's not a blooper. You know it's not a blooper. <laughs> it's just a monkey sitting the on concept. a toilet smoking a cigar. I mean, that's like a Fellini film. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Fellini? Sure. <laughs> I was just seeing if I could pull a, a movie reference. And you did. But Thank the, you, BT. The Lee um, Nietzsche. You know, when I was watching the episode and the um, the ashes went down and went into like the targeting system and fucked everything up, my first thought was, oh, that's like a fun way to end the episode. Not realizing yeah. <laughs> that it was just going to keep going and going and going. I thought that was just like a nice joke. But then it turns yeah. out it wasn't a joke. It was the start of the third act. I also think, and I can't quite figure out how to do this, but I also think it would have made more sense if Lisa was more involved in the takedown of this missile plot because she was the one that was given the rebellious spirit. Yeah, that Thank would make you. a lot more sense. Yeah. Yes. And then she stole some earrings. Yeah. And oh, that's what I also hate, you know, talking integrity is that, yeah, Burns, it's not acknowledged that he has history with Mona mm. from his side of things. And... Uh, yeah, like, I mean, even when he was hitting on the vacuum bag of ashes, which is weird enough. I was about to say, consider that sentence in itself. Yeah, he fucked that vacuum bag. <laughs> oh, no. This no. grimy little burn stick. Oh, oh, dear. Was grimy, now it's dusty. <laughs> yeah, <also>. Ouch. <laughs> Just absolutely penichioed that vacuum bag. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, so, yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Um, Why? It passes the hangover test. It doesn't pass the laundry test. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's what you said last time I said that. <laughs> I feel, I you're, feel all, like, you're totally interesting. Oh, thank you, Elliot. I might watch up until the third act if I'm hangover, and then I'll skip it. Mm. Make a sandwich, get ready for the next episode. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I'd watch this again. Why not? It's fine. All right. Well, it's getting <laughs> a little over the line for some of us. So, yeah, we'd <laughs> then like to talk about what playlist this could go in. Uh, Burns's dusty dick. <laughs> Playlists of episodes that involve Mona Simpson, mm, the yeah. mother of Homer Simpson. Explain further, Nick. Well... <laughs> We've just done exactly that. Mm, okay. So we've been, uh, I suppose we have. Yes. Wait a minute. Hachi, <laughs> man. I never made this connection. <laughs> well, actually, just going on from that, there's a few HD era episodes which have flashback sequences to 
like specifically Mona and Grandpa's relationship. And mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of future episodes after this that have done this flashback have really shown yeah. like them having a really verbally and yeah. just depressing relationship. And yeah, like their verbal abuse towards each other and how it impacted Homer, which again was never part of any of this. But yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. So don't watch New Simpsons, is what I'm saying. Good. Adv- don't watch New Simpsons. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> A homemade self-defense weapon playlist. So put this with, uh, that's how you turn one gun into five guns. Oh, yeah. And then cross-series playlist with Futurama with the Franklinator. (laughs) The Franklinator is a very good weapon. Yeah. I'm sure there's other improvised weapons out there. Uh, Sack of doorknobs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is definitely in the bizarre genre change third act list, Mm. which I assume (laughs) is most episodes from this point forward. Yeah, I get it. You could pair this with Hank Scorpio, I guess. Yeah. Actually, you know what? This one almost gets, because you guys have talked before about the first act, fuck you. This is almost the third act, fuck you. (laughs) I think it very much is. I think it's every act, fuck you. Well, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) The first two are reasonably cohesive. It's just, yeah, that third one. Mm. My God. All right, well, let's uh, get into why it sucks and what would change about it. BT, what would you like to change about this episode? The entire third act. (laughs) All right. You know, and uh, you know, little bits and pieces elsewhere, but that's really where your main problem is. If you have to have this whole sabotage the missile thing, then don't go to the whole, you know, Austin Powers parody. Have it Homer trying to reconcile the idea of, oh, my mom's last wish was to sabotage this and not anything about me and just have that kind of disappointment come to the realization that this is was important to her and making you a part of that was her like last gift. Something like that. I don't know. I'm not being paid here. <laughs> no, if anything, I'm taking money from you. No, I know, bastard. <laughs> yeah, why are we paying for this? <laughs> uh, the checks in the mail. I was uh, wondering why your hand was in my pocket, but you know. <laughs> was he was trying to of... write a new Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot's one hand, hand in, in my pocket. Yeah, one hand in your pocket. And the other one <laughs> is in my pocket. Um, <laughs> and the other hand recording a podcast. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The other hand, smashing that like button. <laughs> oh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah. And hit the bell. How about you, Nick? What would you like to change about this episode? I think either in the video, Will, uh, Mona should give her rebellious spirit to Homer, and then he's super stoked when the missile launch is aborted, or mm-hmm. Lisa needs to be more involved, like I said before. Uh, how about you, Jaka? What would you like to change? All right, here's what seems like a fairly easy sort of edit to me. Early on, they go to this toy store, and Homer gets pranked. He gets punked, frankly, mm-hmm. by his punk son. And yep. he goes bananas. He goes berserk. He totally flips out. It's wild. It's too much. And then they go home, and his mom's there. And then they're talking about, like, the fallout of him not having a mom for all these years. Mm-hmm. And they turn to him eating too much and, like, trying to comfort himself with food. And I don't know why they didn't just make his earlier flip out related to the fact that he didn't have a mum in some way. Or, yeah, it was... I don't know, you can't just have a scene like that of like a grown man going berserk in a store and ripping his shirt off without addressing it in some way. It's upsetting. It bothered me. I'm bothered yeah. by it. Yeah, behind every one of those people flipping out at Bunnings about a face mask there, yeah, in lies some deep family-related <laughs> trauma, apparently. <laughs> And even like, you know, I can't, I don't think you can blame the fact that he didn't have a mum on that, but certainly he could blame his mum for that and then realise it wasn't her fault. Mm. And then go to therapy. I love the idea of all these Bunnings freedom fighters saying like, well, I never had my mum to read me the Magna Carta, so I had to read it myself to learn what my rights are as a living human. 
Nope, that one's just for me. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> like Nick, we've all read the Magna Carta. We get it. <laughs> like, Fuck. You Magnum reference historical documents, you usually get a chuckle, not a like a burst out <laughs> laugh, and that's what you got on that one. No, I don't no, know no, what you true. want here, Captain. What if there was an episode where Homer got really angry because they changed the name of a racist cheese brand? No, oh, yeah, <laughs> great. Love that. Which Little Wayne album was the Magna Carta again? <laughs> that feels like a reference I don't get at all. Yeah, this is a joke where I can tell by the level of laughter that I am <laughs> that I am providing <laughs> against the level of confusion. Yes. God, and what would I change? I just want to exist in one thing for a while. Like, if it's going to be the espionage or Mona or the... Like, just... Pick a lane fucking episode. Like, it feels so all over no, the place. I'm and- actually on board. When Mona passes away, they go through her stuff and they find, like, plans for sabotage. And so as, like, a last tribute to her, mm. they try to enact that plan. Yeah, because this whole idea that... Even though I was saying I'd be interested in what if Mona was a bit more shifty, this idea that they're retroactively making her more shifty doesn't sit well with me at all. Yeah, and instead of her, you know, final request being very confusing in the sense of how did she know this was going to happen, this was like a plan that, you know, as tribute to her, the Simpsons are going to uh, have one last act of rebellion for her. Yeah, so many of these, these episodes from this point on, just the changes that could be made to improve the episode. Yeah. Seem very straightforward. <laughs> like right. we're just a bunch of fucking dickheads having a conversation. You know? <laughs> and I still absolute... firmly believe that the things we're saying would actually be improvements. A bunch of it... absolute cheese wings over here. <laughs> it took one hour, four beers, and two paddle pops to figure out a better episode. <laughs> but by God, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> they said they couldn't do it. The fellow at Radio Shack said I was mad. <laughs> I think this is sort of a symptom of what TV was like at the time. Because, like, this is yeah, the era of hide a family guy popularity and, like, things like Robot Chicken and shit are all, and Adult Swim in general are making an impact. So I think there's a sense amongst the writers that are kind of rebelling against sort of more tropey writing. But in that, you just get these scattershot things that, yeah. yeah. You can remove a trope, but you have to replace it with something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'd change. I'd make it about something. It just didn't feel like it was about <laughs> anything. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what you would change is you would make it written in a different era of television where, <laughs> yes. where they were under different influences and expectations. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay, fair. Fair. Well, also, like... That's it, one of the more esoteric changes I've heard in, in a Simpsons index. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, to be fair, like, I think the Simpsons were also a victim of their own success where their episode quality, like, was never called into question because they weren't accountable. They were just going to get renewed every season anyway. Mm, yeah. And mm. I'd sort of get this sense, especially in season 23, when they were under threat of being axed and they actually put some fucking effort into some episodes. Yeah. People tell me that I'm a victim of my own success as well. Yeah. But that's in the other direction, James. <laughs> Sorry. That's a fucking horrendous joke. No, it's oh, fair. I love you. Uh, guest stars of this episode, yeah, we already had our uh, close analysis of Glenn Close by the Glenn. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, Lance Armstrong made an appearance. Oh, wow. is that actually Lance Armstrong? Actually, Lance Armstrong. They couldn't get Fozzie, but. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, was it actually Fozzie? He's no. a hard get. Mm. Yeah, right. he certainly read lines. Yeah, yep. L- Lance Armstrong there for 1.2 sentences. <laughs> Great get. Yelling at a Muppet, as yeah. we all must one day. Didn't mind Fozzie's joke of tour de pants. Everything yeah. else, yeah, can go yeah. to hell. Yeah. I like that joke as well. And one of the reasons I like it is it's a legitimately very Fozzie Bear joke. Yes. yes. Very in character. Very in character. How's the integrity of Fozzie Bear? 
All right, uh, we are here. Nick, do you have any other notes? Oh, yeah, when Ned tries to defend Christianity by saying, what about the sing-alongs? And Apu says, no, that's fine, That the sing-alongs not the bummer. The sing-alongs in, Christi- in Western Christianity are the bummer. They're all slow mm. dirges. <laughs> um, that's just my thought. Uh, well, I mean, Hillsong have tried to pep it up a little, but yeah. Yeah, true. It's pretty and, sickly sweet garbage. And look, it, a um, plagial resolution, is that the right term? Is plagal. Plagal. That's very mm-hmm. nice. It's a very nice resolution. One of my top three. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, shout out to from going to the four chord to the one chord. Yeah, it's yep. one of my top four to ones. Yeah. <laughs> Self five. Um, but yeah, you know, so many of those hymns are just a fucking snooze fest. Um, they are the bummer of Christianity, apart from, you know, all the horrible things. So, uh, <laughs> the bummer of Christianity. That's my final note. How about you, Jekyll? Uh, yeah, I have some notes about this episode, which I believe is called Mona Leavesa. Let's see, what have I got here? Ooh, just while on that, this is the third of four episodes that they've used a Mona Lisa pun in episode Fuck. titles. Uh, joining the ranks of Moaning Lisa, Mona Lisa, and Lona Lisa. When you say Lona Lisa, do you mean a Lisa that's on her own or a Lisa that's being rented? <laughs> uh, the renty one, but she's not being rented. She's uh, renting. Re- renting. Renting. Yeah, okay, Lona. Yeah, okay. So when Mona Simpson comes back in this episode, Mona leaves her from her season 19 of The Simpsons, episode 19, I believe. Mm-hmm. Homer says to her, you keep appearing and disappearing and it's not funny. It's like Scrubs. Now, look, have you tried to rewatch Scrubs recently? Mm-hmm. I have not. Few shows have aged worse than Scrubs. <laughs> right. Scrubs is such a piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't really like it that much at the time, but you go back now and you watch it, it's like, wow, this show like actively hates women. <laughs> this is Scrubs has a lot of problems. And transgender people and yeah. everyone. God, I watched an episode from like season six or seven, I think, the other day, mm-hmm. or I mean this was a year ago now, but it's stuck in my memory. I just put it on just to see how it held up. Yeah, and uh, this guy kept calling his ex like a whore throughout the whole thing. Like he was being really mean to her, and then the plot resolution was just sort of someone saying to her, "Well, you know, you were kind of a whore. Maybe you'd be less of a whore." And he, she goes to him, is like, "Hey, I'm sorry that uh, you know I'm a bit of a whore." And he's like, "Yeah, whatever. It is really bad. Wow, <laughs> bad show." So I'm glad that The Simpsons season 19 got a shot in at Scrubs and. Zach Braff and his pissy little movie career. Uh, let's see. What else have we got here? Mona Simpson, she comes back and she says, I'm done with protesting. I just want to be a mum now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish she'd... I, I think Mona should keep protesting. I think the work she was doing was important. I think she can do both. It's fine. Mona, mm-hmm. rise up. That's what I'm saying. Grandpa wearing tap shoes to mm-hmm. the wake yeah. is the kind of joke that... I think just about manages to walk the line of being kind of funny. Really? I feel like that's a controversial opinion, but just oh. the way it's set up and Dan Kessler's performance, the fact that he's like sad, but then when he gets up to walk, the shoes make the noise. I think that kind of works. Man, I thought it was so extended and drawn out. And I wanted to learn to dance on a grave, but then a tap, and then I wanted to do just... It was one of my shut up, just end moments. Yeah, I felt like this is going to be a controversial take. 
I would mm. have been so much more on board with it if it was I was going to tap dance on her grave, but I don't feel like dancing. And then he walks up and he has tap shoes on. I think it mm. could have been much shorter and more succinct, mm. but I'm on Jekyll's side that that's right on the borderline of being a joke that would have made me laugh out loud for the unexpectedness of the tap. Yeah, I liked it. I also like uh, Gary's video wells, the whole little weird aside of Marge saying, Maggie, that's the guy who filmed your first birthday you remember he brought his girlfriend and they got into a fight? I like how specific that is. I feel like I know Gary. <laughs> I feel like you just know that guy. Like, you've just met that guy. He's, like, 45 and, like, yeah. he wears his hair, like, a bit longer than he can get away with. And he's just, yeah, like, he's got that attitude and, like... He's not a bad guy. You've just met him on a bad day, you know? You can kind of tell, like, he thinks a little highly of himself and, like... You know, he always has his, like, arms folded and his, like, girlfriend's wearing sunglasses and, like, just looks unhappy and you're not really sure why she's there. You know, you know Gary. Mm. Yeah. We know Gary. Gary's a guy. Gary's He's like a guy in the neighborhood. I feel like he's trying to pull off a cowboy hat as well. Yeah, I think so. Didn't mm. work he for thought him, this is going to be the new me and it's, uh, I mean, you do you, man, but it's not landing. He's definitely <laughs> like a weird uncle to someone, you know. Yeah. yeah. Did you have any other notes, BT? Don't I always... I do like uh, they go to Itchy and Scratchy and then underneath it says Sweaters, not, yeah. the, not the cartoon. Yep, that was um, good. Got a bit weird and me. pointless, but I got to chuckle, yeah. Uh, and Marge saying, we had fun. We listened to music radio in the car. Just such a very Margie like kind of line. I love music radio. Music radio. To me, that's yep. good radio, you know? <laughs> you hear it's, a tune. It, it, it's yeah. the preferable of the radios. Yeah. Yeah, between... Some signs of evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon it goes music radio, talkback radio, aka podcast, and then Pulp Fury Radio, now available wherever you get your podcast. Pulp Fury Radio, a very good mm. thing that I've listened to all of. Yeah, it's good. Oh, really? We like it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, it kind of goes for too long, but I do like the phone call when Lenny calls his mom. Fuck, I thought you meant Pulp Fury Radio goes for too long. I'm like, it's your series, man. <laughs> <laughs> it goes for exactly as long as it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, we are brutal on it on our after show, the podcast, where we analyze the work we just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I never stop analyzing the work I did, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but back to The Simpsons. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the riff where uh, Lenny calls his mom and then she wants to speak to Carl, and then I do like the joke of Carl hanging up and turns to Mo and says, oh, by the way, Mo, Lenny's mom says he loves you. Mm. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yep. Uh, so I do have a final, final note, which is when Homer's all like, okay, we'll just add water to her ashes and she'll come back to life. It's like, fuck, come on. Especially yeah. when that wasn't the first time that he'd interacted with the ashes, right? Like yeah. the whole mm. the whole premise to get us up there to the top of the mountain was that he was taking the ashes. He's indicated he knows how ashes work. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah it, it's a bad point for that joke, and it's a bad joke to begin with. Yeah. All right, mm. and yeah, I just got a couple of final notes. We don't often mention the couch gag, but once again, we get the whole evolution couch gag, and like, while it is kind of cool from an animation perspective, first of all, the Fat Boy Slim film clip for right here, right now is so much better version mm. of this, and also, you just what know about it's the one of... for Fuck Cell Brother? That's better as well. Are you thinking of Weapon of Choice? No, I'm thinking no, of Slash.com. <laughs> All good film clips from Fatboy Slim. Mm. There's a hairdresser in South Australian regional town of Gawler called Fatboy Trims, just just so everyone knows. Nice. <laughs> Did you hear about him going to prison for embezzlement, what? though? It what? turns out Fatboy Skims. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. I love that. Mm. Anyone got anyone more? Um, Hang on. <laughs> We're all just going through the IMS words now. Yeah. Sure, this is I mean, riveting for the yeah. list. 
If he eats ass, fat boy rims. <laughs> uh, I was going to make a joke about him going into the English Channel, but yeah, that one's way dirtier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fat boy drowns. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and yeah, my only other note was Mona just goes to Homer, yeah, the government's not looking for me anymore, it's like, why? (laughs) You're just breezing over that point. Anyway, it's time to rank this thing, and it's Jekyll's turn to go first. My turn to go first. Look, up until the point where they climbed the mountain and they got to the top, I was thinking, controversially in my head, this is probably like a silver level episode, I'm quite liking it, I'm enjoying it. All of that shit pulled it back down a bit, but I'm still going to give it a bronze because I kind of liked it. I thought it was good by and large. I had a good time. I thought a lot of the emotional beats worked. I thought it was a good idea for an episode apart from the last third of it. I don't know. This episode kind of worked for me. I'm giving it a bronze. And BT, you're next. Man, I'm very split again. Unlike the last one where I was split between taking it as a single episode versus taking it as part of a show... This one, because the last episode already burned down the house. This one is just pissing on the ashes. We don't want piss on the ashes. However, we also don't want there to be ashes to begin with. Sometimes you want them to stop smoldering, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, uh, I have less distaste for this one than I did for the other one. That said, it's not a good episode. I would have, if I was feeling generous, and I never am, bronzed the first two acts and then failed the last part. Ah, or maybe participant of the first two acts, um, but always stick the landing. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to forget this one a lot more than the last one. I'm on a participant, and I'm just figuring it out. (laughs) I'll say participant. I reserve the right to blurt things out later. All right, Nick. Yeah, I think it's going to be a participant as well. There were a couple of things I liked, but not enough to drag me out of the fact that I'm not going to remember this episode. Uh, yeah, I, I found it so, quite frankly, surprising. I fucking hated this. I hated it <laughs> so much more than the last ep. Like, not so much more, just a little bit more than the last episode. Because, yeah, I agree, it had some good ideas, but it just squandered it. And it just it didn't know what it was doing, and it didn't know its past. And I just found this to be so miserable and boring, quite frankly. Especially, yeah, uh, high-stakes espionage final act should be exciting but i was just bored by it mm. and yeah so i'm giving a big old f click me down yeah, to a so. fail because now that i've lived with a participant <laughs> oh. for almost an entire minute i can't stand it anymore you're going down to fail as yeah, well yeah participant didn't sit right the second i said it you know what me up to cubic zirconia <laughs> <laughs> uh fucking now i gotta do math um <laughs> uh bpf so that's a participant average so it's a dull participant now yeah, or just straight participant by eight split. No, it's because two Fs and a P and a B. So that would be... Two fucks and a peanut butter sandwich. Um, mm. Now, now that's know. an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> what, a whole afternoon? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the peanut butter sandwich is going to take a while. Yeah, you want it in the middle. You want it sandwiching. Yeah. True. Sandwiches, sandwiches. Yeah, dull participant. That'll be a dull participant, and the third episode from season 19 to be called that. It'll be joining Husbands and Knives, where Homer gets plastic surgery and looks freakish, but then it was literally all just a dream. They do a dream cop-out ending. And Eternal Moonshine of the Simpsons Mind, which gets a mention on a lot of good post-classic episodes, but it's fucking bad. Mm. (laughs) I don't believe I've done that one. Uh, they're doing like an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I know know I've seen it outside of the review context. I think I've done it. okay maybe mm. but this episode a good episode that everyone liked and we all felt the same way about that and that's good <laughs> and there'll be no good further discussion 
All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today for the Mona Simpson trilogy. Thanks for having us back, dude. This is always fun being on the Index. Yeah, good times. Yep, always fun to have you guys. You guys got something to plug? Uh, we have a podcast. You can listen to it. Um, maybe I'll like uh, edit and put out that episode we recorded eight months ago at some point. Uh, maybe we'll record another one at some point. Maybe we will. Mm. Maybe we shall. We should do that. Uh, it's called Pods in the Key of Springfield. I don't know, we've been on this podcast before, people know who we are at this point, maybe, unless they're jumping <laughs> they're into well this better. one for the first time, I don't know, but you can listen to it, it's good, I think it's good, I like it personally, uh, Alex Goldman's on one episode, you mm. like Alex Goldman, right, you like Reply All, that's a good podcast, yeah. why don't you listen to our episode, what are you afraid of, just go and do it, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to press you, you can take it on your own terms, but it, you know, it's good. That's no, my plug. I, was, I, I was doing a road trip with my girlfriend a little while ago and uh, we listened to Reply All's Case of the Missing Hit and mm. she really liked that. And then, yeah, we, I chucked on uh, <laughs> Case of the Missing Comic Book after that. And, yeah, we had a good time. That is such a fun episode, guys, mate. <laughs> uh, thank you. That was a fun time. And PT. All right, our other podcast is Thrones of Game. This is where we watch Game of Thrones backwards. And if you're hungry for more Game of Thrones content, we're the only game out there. I actually had a look at some of the other ones that started in Season 8 of Game of Thrones. They all gave up because they're a bunch Mm -hmm. of weaklings. We're still going strong. So, uh, yeah, boom. Watch this, watch that. It's (laughs) cock talk, zip. (laughs) <laughs> hey. that was cocky talk thank you very much <laughs> and our other other podcast is pulp fury radio this is a scripted fiction podcast across a range of pulp genres like horror fantasy noir and mystery uh so if you're tired of white guys giving their opinions of tv shows this is the antidote uh just get an escape <laughs> from the ordinary and listen to uh, some smashing fiction read by some amazing actors and yeah it's good i'm very proud of that work smashing yeah. fiction would have been a good name <laughs> So, Damn it. <laughs> instead of slash fiction could have been smash fiction <laughs> something i really enjoy about pop fury radio obviously the stories are, are genuinely very engaging but as someone who has been a long time index listener now mm. i enjoy playing spot the voice and, be, <laughs> and just going oh i reckon that's uh, i reckon that's ellen or i reckon that's sean from one good thing you know just lots of voices that i'm always on the lookout for Nice. You should bring us mm. on next season. We'll be like a mysterious scientist and his like uh, his companion. I'll be the companion. I, on, some Dr. kind of doctor Dr. with Dr. Colossus. Some, uh, <laughs> colossal. <laughs> yeah, some sort of colossal doctor, you know? Yeah. It really writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> I have genuinely tried to work out a story where a bunch of podcasts are like uh, suddenly get taken with like, I don't know, some sort of disastrous event and trying to, yeah, rope in a bunch of you guys. But yeah. <laughs> like the <laughs> ring, but it's just called the pod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like they're all recording a reaction podcast or something. Oh, okay. This uh, might have to take this off pod. <laughs> uh, but until then, uh, yes, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jaikel. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Ouch. <laughs> thank you, PT. Uh, hoi hoi. And I've been your host, Elliot J. O'Neill. That's all the mustard in the house. What kind of mustard, Elliot? The mustard. Keens. Keens, I say. Thank you for listening to The Simpsons Index podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash The Simpsons Index or at Simpsons Index on Twitter or Instagram. Now there's no bonus scenes for this episode, so we'll catch you next week. Ouch! Feeling trapped? Tired of the ordinary? Of course you are. We knew you were. 
If you're looking for an escape from the everyday, then you're looking for Pulp Fury Radio, a new podcast anthology series featuring all original stories in classic pulp genres like sci-fi, noir, horror, and fantasy. Join us and journey to a small town being invaded by a parasite from beyond the darkest depths of space. What could have done that? What is tentacles like that? At first it was like an infection, but it takes control. Come on, we've got to run! This town needs us more than ever, and I do not intend to let it down. Or investigate a murder while trapped aboard a speeding train with seven strangers and one killer. I am Inspector Thomas Page of Interpol. Do any of you recognize the woman cuffed to my arm? Yeah, ma, die Wölfin von Meidanek. Five minutes to find out just which one of you is a traitor working with this Nazi. We've gone over everybody's story, and as far as we can tell, everyone is who they say they are. Oh, I see. So, we wait to see who dies next to narrow down the search. Stay back. (laughs) Perhaps you prefer selling insurance in a world of fantasy and magic. I know he used fire, but he wasn't a pyromancer. He was a pyromaniac. This is a very minor quest, not even a level one, really. I'm talking real adventure, real danger and excitement. Seek ye not the lost scroll, child. We are in no way equipped to face off against a dark wizard. You majored in English and I forged all my report cards. Or solve a crime of murder, mystery, and music. Fearless Felix Phoenix is the name. So, what can I do for you, detective? You're wrong, Felix. Don't you feel it? Sorry, kitten, but feelings don't matter when there's no proof. Ready? Let's jam. Each episode comes fully loaded with suspense, action, mystery, and drama, all to help you escape from your everyday. You can find out more at pulpfuryradio.com, with our first episode coming soon to wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, your adventure awaits! Or whatever. Ouch, you-